Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 284. It's an episode of Football Friends. And what that means is that I have a conversation with Brett Coleman. We talked for about, well, really, the truth is, Brett and I talked for about an hour. We recorded for about 30 minutes. We kept talking for about uh, 30 minutes after that, talking about life. Probably should have recorded it maybe next week. Uh, We're also hoping to get Brett Coleman on camera next week. Uh, I think my highlight of the conversation, I don't fully know what I talked about with Brett. I believe that what I talked about with Brett was we talked about Tyrod Taylor and the potential legal action going on with the L.A. Chargers right now. That's a very, I think the highlight of that conversation, but the most interesting little tidbit maybe. Uh, Look, Brett Coleman and Tom Grassi are just guys I love. Again, I call this football friends because it's just talking about football with my friends. Uh, My favorite part of the Tom Grassi episode, other than the long we kept saying for like the last 30 minutes, like, oh, one more thing, one more thing. We kept talking and talking, and we got into sharing some of our core values. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I shared some of the sponsorships that I avoid. It was interesting. Uh, probably the thing that I might make out, you know, a clip from that segment is uh, the part where Tom Grossi says the one question he wishes, wishes he could ask Aaron Rodgers. It was very, very interesting to me to hear that. Uh, Tom and I had a long conversation Probably 70% of it was not about football. It was just about life, and it was just fun for me. Uh, I got to catch up with a good friend of mine. So uh, we'll start with the Brett Coleman interview. Again, my favorite football nerd in the world. I love Brett Coleman. Uh, He's a tremendous friend and ally to me behind the scenes. And uh, as a side note, just because I'm selfish and want to share my story, uh, I recorded last night at 1 a.m. the episode 283. Then I stayed up all night, all day. I've been putting out content all day. Got on the phone with Brett at 11.30. Got on the phone with <laughs> Tom Grossi at 2 o'clock. It's now 3.28 p.m., and I still have not gone to sleep. Now, I'm okay. I'm very cognizant. I'm going to go to sleep immediately after putting out this episode. But I want you to know, the hours of doing this job are insane. And uh, Brett and Tom very much understand that. Last week, Brett, people don't understand how much work Brett Coleman does behind the scenes uh, and how much research he does, and how much stuff goes on. So I guess without further ado, I have no other way to intro it. Enjoy my conversation with Brett Coleman. Joining me now is my favorite football nerd, Brett Coleman. How are you, man? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I am surviving the Charger fan attack I've been getting. I'm sure you've been getting it, too. <laughs> have you even seen uh, the Justin yeah. Herbert game yet? I have not seen the game yet. Uh, I'm, I've been working my way through Josh Allen this week because I'm doing a film room on him. Awesome. Um, eventually, I want to watch the the Herbert debut before he plays against Carolina. Um, I've only seen the highlights. I mean, he made he made the kind of throws that we saw at Oregon where you're yeah. just like, oh, my God. you know. But then he had that one really bad pick where you're like, oh, my God. Well, he had, he had both, right? He played exactly like he played at Oregon. Exactly. Yeah, which is both good and bad. Yeah. You know, I, I still got to watch the other 30 throws or whatever it is, because I, I only turned on the game like the last two minutes, like right when Pat came back and, uh, you know, Butker got the three field goals. And then Anthony Lynn made that stupid decision mm-hmm. to punt on fourth and one, yeah, which I will never agree with ever. And weirdly enough, their their odds of winning dropped like 7% as soon as they punted, because why would you ever <laughs> give the ball back to Pat yeah. Mahomes? But yeah. That's neither here nor there. I, I do want to watch um, Herbert in depth just to see, you know, what he looks like in, well, in an actual NFL 
team. Well, let me ask, I, and I'd love to tell you what I saw. It'd be fun to hear what, like, tell you what I think and then hear what your opinion is later on the road. But what is it like from Chargers fans today? Because I'm getting crucified on the internet, and that's, I'm okay with it. Like, it's part of the job. Is, that, is it like that for you, too? Well, Chargers fans haven't liked me for years because I made a, an, a film room episode on Joey Bosa after his rookie year saying uh, that he was a really good player, but I didn't think that he was J.J. Watt or Khalil Mack. Which or, is not. Or, you know, I didn't think he was that level of pass rusher. And, and for some reason, that is like a horrific thing to say. Even though I said he was a really great player, I just didn't think he was J.J. Watt, which a lot of people were comparing him to J.J. Watt after his rookie mm-hmm. year. And I'm like, this is not the same thing. <laughs> uh, so they've, they've hated me ever since then. And then, of course, the one negative quarterback eval I put out before the draft ends up being a Chargers player. So they just hated me even more ever since then. But I, I hope Justin Herbert succeeds. So maybe they'll stop being so freaking salty over in L.A. But <laughs> what can you do? I hate the word hater because I... First of all, I grew up in Oregon, right? I have friends. My cousins live in Eugene. I actually know people that are family friends with the Herberts. They say that Justin's a great dude. Like, I've never heard a bad thing about Justin Herbert, the person, and I don't hate the guy. Like, I'd, In fact, I would love to see him do well. But on film, I go, eh, a lot of problems. And that's, that's my, our job, my job at least, is to be honest and say, here's what I see, right? And it's this uncomfortable thing where, like, you can – predict a guy to not be great and still like them and hope they do well like you can hope your prediction is wrong is that make does that make sense to you like yeah just like we you know I had a lot of problems with Josh Allen on tape when he was coming out too everybody did yeah but now we're in year what is it year four and a lot of those problems have been fixed that's the outcome we hope for mm-hmm. for every single you know I don't want to even say controversial but every single semi-flawed quarterback prospect we hope they can fix their issues within three or four years and then end up being a really good quarterback like Josh Allen is now but unfortunately not every quarterback that has flaws ends up fixing those flaws Mariota didn't Jameis for the most part didn't Um, he kind of amped up his good and amped up his bad at the same time down in Tampa Bay we Mm. hope that Sean Payton can clean up the bad now that he's sitting behind Breeze in New Orleans um you know, Derek Carr, I think he's he's been way more up and down than I think we expected since he came into the league, but it's not like his flaws are totally gone either. So, you know, every single quarterback, other than probably Andrew Luck, you know, had significant flaws that we hoped would get better. Some of them do, some of them don't. You know, Justin Herbert is so talented that we hope that he can follow that uh, Josh Allen arc and clean up his flaws and be a really damn good quarterback. But, you know, we won't know that for probably three or four years. I had a line I'm proud of. I said, Justin Herbert, you know, the question's never been, is he capable? The question is, is can he be consistent, right? There's high-level talent, obviously. And he, he even on Sunday, he did high-level stuff. But what follows with that is the interception on second and two where he throws it back across his body or taking a really bad sack instead of throwing it away, like, or you know, underthrowing a deep ball where Mike Williams is wide open in the end zone. So little things like that, right? That you go, man, it's just not consistent enough. That's kind of the, the consistent problem with him is there's not enough consistently. I know I'm using the word consistent a lot, but that's kind of the problem with Justin Herbert I've seen. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and honestly, like you can tell the success or failure rate or the likely success or failure of a quarterback prospect like a Justin Herbert, like a Josh Allen, uh, based on the coaching staff they go to. Mm. You know, Deshaun Kaiser, 
deeply flawed, extremely talented prospect, went to Hugh Jackson, failed immediately because Hugh Jackson is not a good developer of quarterbacks, as it turns out. Like, that was a horrific situation for him to be in. He should not have played as a rookie. Nobody thought he should have played as a rookie, and it was a disaster. Josh Allen went to a coaching staff that was willing to protect him by any means necessary from himself, uh, using a strong defense, a creative running game, not asking him to do too much for his first couple years, while they brought him along as a passer, and that worked. You know, Darnold went to Adam Gase, who everything Adam Gase touches dies, offensively speaking. You know, it, yeah. it really depends on the coaching staff these guys go to. Again, unless they're like an Andrew Luck, where even Chuck Pagano can go to the AFC Championship game if you have, you know, Andrew Luck. Justin Herbert, I think, ended up in a good situation because I happen to like Anthony Lynn. I happen mm. to like the staff they have there. Yeah. I love their weapons. I love their support system. He kind of lucked out <laughs> by going to that situation. Yeah. Will that mean that he's going to be amazing You know, right from the go? Probably not, but I, I like his chances long-term just because of where he ended up. Mm. Do you want to talk about the other Chargers quarterback? I'd love to read you something. Sure. So I, I, I read this a couple minutes ago. The Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung just before kickoff Sunday while trying to administer a pain-killing injection to the quarterback's crapped, cracked ribs. And I've heard that that's a common risk of doing that with cracked ribs as you can puncture the lung. But have you heard about that yet? That's insane to me. I go, wow, okay. It's, I mean, that's got to be like some kind of medical malpractice suit waiting to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And I also think that was probably why Anthony Lynn came out so aggressively saying Tyrod's the starter, Tyrod's the starter, mm -hmm. Tyrod's the starter. Because if they cost him a starting position with a medical, you know, malpractice. A lot of money. Like, that's a lot of money. That's a big lawsuit. Like, I think he was emphasizing he's the starter when he comes back so that it isn't their own doctor that cost him all of that potential. The whole you know, thing seemed weird, earnings. didn't it? The whole entire... I, from the get-go, it didn't seem quite right, and now we know why it didn't seem quite right, because it wasn't quite yeah. right. Yeah. There was a legal argument that they were making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so bizarre. I feel bad for him, because Tyrod is not going to blow you away, but he's very solid, and I think I, it's it, it's kind of compelling to me to watch him on... Hard knocks where he's getting there at like five in the morning doing workouts. And I go, I mean, he's doing a lot of work that a veteran leader should do. I just, I don't know what to make of Tyrod. He's not that great, but I like him. Does that make sense? I, I, I like him as a person, as a quarterback. He's, you know, he's never going to be a long-term answer. Yeah. Because he's duct tape. He's duct tape. Um, but I think I would be very curious if Justin Herbert goes out there and lights people up, if they still have Tyrod start a game when he comes back just to try to get away from the lawsuit. Mm. Well, do you think... Because, I mean, like, this is this is like a legitimate legal problem for them mm. in terms of impacting future earnings. Yeah, for sure. Because it wasn't a football activity that caused the injury. Like, this was their doctor screwing up. Mm. And if Justin Herbert goes out there and lights it up and then he doesn't get his starting job back because of that, he can claim... Like, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure he can claim that their own doctor cost him his starting position and potentially millions in future earnings. And I have no idea what that kind of lawsuit would look like. Uh, but, like, I'm I'm legitimately very curious to see what happens here and the, and the decision that they might be forced to be made for at least a game when he becomes healthy enough to play just to maybe avoid a lawsuit. Such a wild thought. I mean, it's, it's just a crazy wild to me. situation. I've never seen anything like it before. 
Is it bad that I'm smiling? I'm kind of like, just the, the drama excites me as, as much as I'm ashamed to say that. I'm like, ooh, sounds interesting. It's, it's definitely new. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, I don't want to ruin your video. I, as, you know, I know you're working on a Josh Allen uh, film, you know, a, a film room episode. Um, can we gush about it, though? Because what I saw on film was incredible. I went, oh, my gosh. I mean, he had that long ball down the sideline, too. Stephon Diggs had like 30 catches, it felt like. I enjoyed watching Josh yeah. Allen. I don't want to ruin your video and your episode, but is there anything you can give me? I don't want to. I, I want to be careful here because I want to respect you, and you know I don't want to step over uh, bounds. I mean, the game is slowing down for him. That that much we can see. Mm. Um, it, whether it's zone or man, he's doing a lot better job of working through progressions quickly. Uh, you know, when plays break down, he's he's getting a lot better at manipulating defenders in mm. space so that he can create throwing windows and yeah. not just running. Uh, his ball placement has been so much more improved. Not perfect, but improved. Yeah. Um, mechanically speaking, there's a few different things he's doing with his feet this year. Most notably, he's kind of added this, this hop with his front foot, which I've seen pop up uh, a lot recently. Like Does it remind Aaron you of Rogers? Yeah, Rodgers yeah. did it for a long time, well, still does it for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, which Rodgers always said that he did it to kind of help protect his knees. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy G was doing it in San Francisco, uh, you know, and and um, Allen's doing it now. And what it kind of does is if you're not really comfortable with like kind of spinning on that front toe so that you can bring the back hip through in rotation, you'll, you'll kind of see some guys hop on the front foot to uh, you know, kind of keep their front knee from locking out, and it helps mm. helps uh, keep them from stalling in their rotation, so they can get all the way through and be more accurate. And we're seeing Allen do that this year. And when he does lock out his front knee, the ball kind of drag on him, be behind receivers. Um, you know, mm. it, it'll really hamper his rotation. But then when he does that front foot hop, keeps his knee uh, from locking, brings the back hip through. I mean, it's perfect. And, and we saw that last week against Miami. So. Kind of these little mechanical tweaks, I think, have done wonders for improving his ball placement. Uh, again, as I mentioned, the decision-making is better. Defenses are still going to catch him a couple times a game, you know, where he'll, he'll kind of rush something that he sees pre-snap, and then he won't see a hang corner waiting for him. Uh, you know, Kyle Van Noy dropped a pick six because he just didn't see him. There yep. was another one. Um, where they there was a match three coverage uh, where Miami gave man indicators off motion, so he thought he was clear, but there was a hang corner, and Diggs still caught the ball, but it went through a defender's hands to get there. So <laughs> a couple times a game, there's still going to be some issues. There's going to be some missed reads. There's going to be some throws he wants back. But on balance, like he is so much further ahead than where he was as a rookie, and the fact that he's making all these mistakes and still, still throwing for 350 a game, uh, is remarkable. Like this is the final product that I'll give an example that the Chargers hope Herbert will be in three years. Because if Herbert turns into this, when he and Allen I think were similar prospects, I mean that's a Super Bowl team mm, for sure. Have you seen the end zone view? I'm sure you have of the final two touchdowns Josh Allen threw uh, on against Miami. Yeah, just beautiful. Like he steps uh, yeah. up in the pocket. I think on the second to last one. It just, I, I never, I like, I watch that. I'm like, oh, that's just beautiful football. It just is awesome. It's just amazing that he's, you know, he's throwing for 400 yards and you're still like, God, he left another 100 yards on the table. You know, like there, there was a seam mm. ball that he ripped to Beasley against the Jets <laughs> against single high. Mm. And I mean, he, he, it was a bullet, a big gain, but 
he could have led it and it would have been a 70 yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so he's still making like he's still getting huge gains, but there's so much more on top of that that he could get. And it's it's exciting to me because you see the results and you see a really productive offense that kind of can go even higher. Mm. Well, his touch is new, too. I think that's really fun to watch. Yeah, um, the touch is definitely a new thing for him. And it's it's gorgeous. phenomenal. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm excited to watch the Bills and Patriots at some point this year. I just look at that matchup and go, this is going to be so much fun. Is that how you feel? It's a barn burner. I think it's going to decide the division because, you know, Miami, I, don't, I, I think we like where Miami's heading, but I don't yeah. think we really think they're going to compete for the division. The Not Jets yet. are a total mess. Um, yeah. And right now I think it's it's Pats and Bills all the way. How long until Adam Gase is gone, you think? Ugh. I mean, sooner the better. Yeah. I, I think... It honestly, if they were smart, they would do it before the bye week, whenever that is. Um, and I would I would immediately start conversations with Eric Bieniemy. I I would mm. I would try to beat every other team that's that's racing to get Bieniemy from Kansas City. Yeah, the OC for Kansas City, who's I, I feel like he's been waiting for two years now. Yeah, for an he, opportunity, he has. It seems like that. How about that Seahawks Patriots game? I, I I talked about you Ugh. on my my episode this morning that came out. I said, I hope that Brett Coleman someday does like a film room episode about this game because it's one of my favorite games I've watched in a long, long time. Were you as enamored with that game as I was? It, it had everything. It had <laughs> crazy throws from Russ. Mm. It had some really good defensive plays. It had a battle between a defending you know, defensive player of the year award winner and a young up-and-coming receiver that's got a chip on his shoulder. Um, it, it had, you know, Jamal Adams, it had, uh, you know, Cam Newton, you know, showing that he is healthy and, um, you know, throwing for damn near 400 yards, which he hadn't even done since a rookie. And he was doing it on a Seahawks secondary that again, featured Jamal and Dunbar and Diggs until he got thrown out, obviously. And, you know, Shaq Griffin, like that, that's a good secondary that he was throwing for almost 400 yards on. And it had this crazy unstoppable goal line package that was working all <laughs> game until the last play. Like there, there was so many layers to that game. Uh, from a narrative perspective, from a scheme perspective, from a talent perspective, from, um, you know, just a storyline perspective. Like, it was incredible. Yeah. I, I That was one of my favorite regular season games I've seen in a long time. Did you notice on that final play, you know, first and goal from the two-yard line, two seconds left, from the one-yard line, two seconds left, they ran the exact same motion even as they did on the touchdown previously where they sent the fullback, then they sent the running back, then they sent Cam Newton. It was just like exactly the same I, I i have to wonder if you're the seahawks defense you go there goes the fullback there goes the running back in motion it's gonna be i mean we all knew it was cam again i think that's the right call because it's your best play with your best player is that kind of do you agree with that should they have tried something i i just my fear is you get try to get cued on the one yard line and you might as well if you're gonna lose you might as well lose running your best play with your best player do you agree with that yeah, I don't hate the call, but I will say the entire time leading up to that play, I expected a jump pass. Mm. I, I thought they yeah. were going to show it, have Cam tuck and start to move and then do a little jump pass over the top. Like I, I thought it was like, surely there's going to be a wrinkle off this, right? And then <laughs> nope. there wasn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it wasn't a bad decision to do it, but I, I definitely think that they're going to incorporate, if they didn't exist before, they're definitely going to exist now. I, I think they're going to incorporate wrinkles off of that. Um, 
because I think there's there's a couple touchdowns off play action or a jump pass or you know some sort of misdirection. Maybe that you can build a counter off of that play. Whatever they're going to do. Mm. Uh, you know, Cam said after the game, maybe we went to the well one too many times. Yeah, I half agree with that, but at the same time, as you said, they they hadn't stopped it all day, so you might as well keep doing it. Well, they also had that play on the goal line where they ran the quarterback power look, and then Cam backed off and threw to the the running back. I think it was running back or the fullback for the touchdown. So they had shown yeah. a similar look and then with a wrinkle on it earlier in the game. So it could have gone either way, I guess, if you're Seattle on defense. Is this the best Cam you've ever seen? Ooh. Uh, it's tough to compete with 2015 Cam because mm. 2015 Cam was truly unstoppable. A little bit wild, but unstoppable. But this is a different Cam. To me... This is a more efficient Cam, yeah. a more deliberate Cam. Um, this is... I almost want to say it's like the final form of Cam as yeah. a passer. Mm-hmm. He's definitely not as dynamic of a runner as he used to be because he's older now and he's taken a pretty significant beating throughout his career. But as a passer, I think this is the best we've ever seen uh, Cam be. I wonder, you know, that the sales pitch to get Cam Newton there, I, I would imagine Bill Belichick says, look, we're not going to pay you. You've been injured two years in a row, but come here. And we'll make you the best quarterback you've ever been. I wonder if that's kind of the pitch to say, we know you think you're capable of more. We can get more out of you. Come here. We'll coach you better than you've ever had. And it seems like the Patriots have not been afraid to challenge him, which I wonder if Carolina, because Carolina, I, I wonder if they felt limited by what they knew Cam was, whereas the Patriots seems to, the Patriots seem to see what Cam Newton could become, if that makes sense. I, I really, Cam is doing different stuff than I've ever seen with timing, with accuracy, uh, and maybe I just didn't watch enough Cam, and that's very possible. I, I watched on Sunday. I went, this is a. I, I love watching this version of Cam Newton. It's a blast for me. If the Panthers felt limited by Cam, that's their own fault. Because mm. he's he's one of no, the true... no no no. I, I think maybe they limited. Like they had, they saw Cam as what he was at Auburn, whereas the Patriots, I think, might have had more vision, saying we can turn Cam into X. Right? Is that, is that stupid to say? Do you agree with that or disagree I, with that? I, th- I think that when they actually dug into the film and they saw how good he was in the quick game, they saw how good he was in empty, they saw how good he was in hurry up, they saw him as a field general, I think they looked at him and said, look, he plays like Tom Brady if Tom Brady Tom Brady ran 4-5. Mm. Like, he stylistically, as a passer, he's very, very pretty similar to Tom yeah. Brady. Like, And I did, I did multiple film rooms on yeah. this. Like, People still push back. Game, I'm like, did you watch Brett's video? <laughs> like... It's he's he's a field general. Like when yeah. when he's allowed to spread teams out, find matchups, distribute the ball underneath. He's one of the best quick game passers in the league. Mm. Everybody always thinks of him as some crazy deep ball thrower, you know, a, like a yeah, a Jay Cutler type. And it's like that's not what he is. Like he's he's literally only had like two years in his career where he was a top ten deep ball thrower, past twenty yards, literally yeah. two. And one of them was the MVP year where he just went crazy. Um, but for the majority of his career, he's been quick and intermediate throws, um, you know, giving you plus one in the run game with all the option stuff, the zone read stuff. Like he, he is stylistically very similar to Tom Brady as a passer. He just adds more to the run game. And mm. I'll tell you what, Tom great, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever. I think yep. that is indisputable at this point. There is zero chance a Tom Brady led Patriots offense would have put up 30 points and been within one play of winning that game. Zero chance. Mm. That's wild. That's so cool. 
Do you think Cam is better? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to compare Cam to old Tom Brady. Like, he just, I don't know. I just enjoy this. I, I love watching the Patriots this year. It feels like a special treat. Um, and I, I wish, like, I hope someday we get, like, a documentary or something to hear the story of how the Patriots got Cam Newton for that minimum salary. Like, I just, I, I got, I mean, Andy Dalton makes more money than Cam Newton. That's crazy to me. It, I just, I watched well, that game Sunday. if you listen Sunday. to what he said, he said, that, you know, his contract this year is not about money. It's about respect. He wants yeah. to show that he can be healthy and win a hell of a lot of games, mm. and then the money will take care of itself later. I love and that. So he went to a team where he knows, like, I'm going to have a defense, I'm going to have a coaching staff that knows what they're doing, we're going to win a lot of games in a division where there's really only one other team that we kind of have to fight uh, fight to get it. Where, you know, if he went to the Bears, he'd have to go against Green Bay, he'd have to go against Minnesota, well, at least back when we thought Minnesota was going to be a really good team. You know, it was the AFC East was his easiest path to showing that he can still win a lot of games and be an effective quarterback, if not a great quarterback. Uh, and so I don't think he really cared what he made this year. I, th- I think he said it best when he's like, I got enough money. I want to show I could still do it. What's telling is not complaining about it still. Like he's doubling down and tripling down on, no, I'm here to win. I mean, that's pretty clear from everything you hear him talk about in the ways. Uh, really been very vocal about I'm I don't want to talk about my contract kind of like Bill Belichick saying like you see him in the past in press conferences saying we're on to Seattle Cam Newton's not mm-hmm. going to even entertain that conversation no because Cam regardless of what the media says Cam is a great leader he's always yeah. been a great leader you know the locker room in Carolina ran through Cam he was a monolithic personality um and an extremely hard worker I mean extremely hard worker and I think a lot of people had a lot of biases against Cam because of like his flamboyance or, or you know, I know I did bombastic personality. Yeah, but he's he's always been um, that kind of guy. You know, the field general that that people want to play with and play for. Um, and so I think he's he's always been a perfect fit with Belichick and McDaniel's and the Patriots culture. I think this was honestly like this was bound to happen. Like they were going to be a good team with cam regardless of the fact that their number one receiver is a 34 year old Julian Edelman and that they don't have a great tight end anymore. And that Nikhil Harry, we're still not sure what we're going to get. And you know, Sony Michelle is their number one running back and he's got almost zero juice and the better running back is Harris and he's on IR. Like there's not a whole lot to work with. Like their legendary offensive line coach that kept Tom Brady alive for two decades retired and he's no longer there. Like, there is not a whole lot around Cam, and they're still putting up 30 points and coming within one play of beating a really, really good Seattle team in Seattle. Have you seen there's the video? There's only a handful. Huh? No, good. I was just saying there's only a handful of quarterbacks in the league that can do that, and he's one of them. So, mm-hmm. like, the Patriots yeah. are here to stay. That's awesome. I, you know, I've, I've found that I'm really a big Bill Belichick fan. I always thought maybe I was a Tom Brady fan. And as they broke up, I've really gravitated a lot more towards... I, I care more about Belichick, which is interesting to me. I never would have expected that. But I've been diving into like his history with the Jets. I watched that the Jets press conference yesterday. I'm just so fascinated and impressed with Bill Belichick. I think Brady's obviously incredible. I, I think he's going to win a lot this year. I think I, I, the jury's still out there. But Belichick's genius just really, really... Um, it's so fascinating to me. I love the way his mind works and his vision to see Cam and say, we're going to bring him in and win a lot of games with him. is so cool to me because everybody else in the NFL decided not to take a chance. 
Yeah, uh, if if this season for the Bears goes the way I think it might end up going, Ryan Pace is going to have some answering to do because this is uh, this is a pretty egregious miss for mm. from him. Yeah, well, to get Foles too, and Foles didn't hasn't seemed to pan out either. It's like, oh, I I mean I think uh, part of the reason why maybe Cam didn't go to Chicago, and this is just from what I've heard mm. from people around that team is that. Uh, you know, even Teddy Bridgewater, you know, his camp kind of alluded to this too, that any competition with Mitch Trubisky would favor Mitch Trubisky because mm. the regime there wants Mitch to be a thing. Like they still want Mitch to succeed. You ever heard and the definition of insanity? I'm not saying that's insanity? the correct decision. Right. You ever heard the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and hoping the results change? Yep. And that's exactly what happens in Chicago. And it's been not one or two. It's been four years. Why is it not ending? It's crazy to me. I think, I think honestly, they want it because they have a very soft schedule in terms of defenses they face mm. until Tampa mm. in week five. I think they wanted to build up Mitch's confidence against some pretty weak defenses, which, I mean, they're 2-0. and It's working yeah. so far. Yeah. Yep. Get him halfway through the season. Hopefully, he has good games against Tampa. Uh, when, when their defensive schedule starts to get a lot harder in the middle of the season and then see where he is. And if they want to bring in Foles, then whatever. But I think this is Mitch's last chance. Or like, we're going to give him the bottom feeders to beat up on. And if he does that, and if he does well, whatever, he can keep the job. Mm-hmm. But if he crashes and burns again, then we've got Nick Foles. But I think they knew if they started Nick Foles and then Nick didn't work out and then they went back to Mitch, like both of them would be over. Mm, yeah, it's true. Have you seen the video of Cam Newton with Greg Olson at, at midfield of the Seahawks game? Oh, yeah, I saw them kind of reuniting. It was great. That was cool, huh? You know, they, they're, you know, best friends. You know, they yeah. they played together for a long time. They respect each other. And, you know, Greg is, again, he's one of those guys that understands that he, he was probably one of the few people in that stadium that, that knew Cam was going to take them to the last play. Yeah. Why did the Panthers move on from Cam? I mean, was it just they wanted to reset everything? Matt Rule, when he gets to a new team, he has a reputation for blowing everything up, tearing it down to the studs, mm. and completely rebuilding. Yeah. Um, and I think that was part of it. I don't think they had any like hard feelings for with Cam. I don't either. But I think, yeah. you know, it's a new coach that came in. He didn't draft Cam. He, you know, he he didn't stake his career on Cam. He got a big contract for a lot of years. He's like, look, this guy's been injured for two years in a row. We're not going to compete this year, most likely. We, we have to completely rebuild the defense. Um, you know, we still have to solidify some parts of the offensive line. Like, I think he, I think he thought, I'm going to rip it down to the studs. I'm going to get a quarterback who's familiar with our offensive system. Because remember, Teddy Bridgewater is already familiar with the terminology, having spent time in New Orleans, yep. that Joe Brady uses, who also uses a modification of the Sean Payton offense with a, with a lot of the same terminology. So he's like, I'm going to bring this guy in for a lot less money um, than, than the going rate for a quarterback who already knows our system. And we're going to lose a lot of games, but in a, two or three years, we're going to be really good. He did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. He always tears teams down and then builds them up in his image. So I, I think releasing Cam, in a way, they probably thought they were doing Cam a solid by not keeping him on a they bad did. team. Yeah. 
And to be honest, Cam's going to win more games than the Panthers this year anyway, so yep. it's probably better for Cam long-term, but I, I totally understand why Cam felt slighted by it. Yeah, well, it's, it hurts when you get broken up with. But it's funny, Panther fans, or I guess, excuse me, Cam Newton fans that used to be Panther fans, right, that kind of went with Cam when he left, were so angry he got left, and the reality is it ended up being, the I mean, as you just said, the right thing and the best thing for Cam long-term, because Cam's going to have a way more enjoyable year in New England that he would have losing, you know, 12 or 13 games in Carolina. Yeah, it's, yeah, and I, I know he's still upset by it. I know it still drives him because he wanted to be part of building up that franchise again. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he's got a legitimate shot to win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah. And I, I think in the end, it's whether he agrees or not consciously, it's best for him to be in New England right now. How cool is that, you know, when the Patriots had Jarrett Stidham, let's say six months ago, right? Tom Brady left. We think Jarrett Stidham might be their quarterback. There was no chance of a Super Bowl in my mind. Now with Cam, I go, you know what? This team, I mean, they took the Seahawks to the final play. How, do you think that's a crazy swing? Like, cause I, Am I wrong? Like, Jarrett Stidham never gave me a lot of confidence. It was kind of like, ah, oh, we'll see. Maybe they're tanking. I don't think that was ever going to happen because Belichick wants to win. But it's... How crazy is that emotional swing and that swing in their franchise with Cam now? I love that. It's so cool to me. Cam added three wins to their schedule mm. by himself. I think with Jarrett Stidham, that's pr- especially considering all the opt-outs, it's probably eight and eight, nine and seven type team. With Cam, that's an 11 or 12 win team. Mm. I, I think they are going to be an extremely tough out. As long as the defense stays healthy, they're going to be an extremely tough out. Um, and as Cam gets more comfortable with the system, again, regardless of who his weapons are, he he took friggin' uh, an offense that had Ted Ginn as his number one receiver uh, to the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. they're gonna be fine. Yeah. Like, I think his number one tight end because uh, see what was it? Greg actually, I guess technically Greg Olson was his number one receiver, but number one wide receiver was Ted Ginn. Like, yeah. It's it takes a special player to be able to do that, and he's a special player. So this is an eleven or twelve win Patriots team, in my opinion. They're probably going to drop one to Buffalo because Buffalo is really good. Yeah. Um, I think they play Baltimore and Kansas City still, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. I believe so too, yeah. So uh, there's no way they beat both of them. They'll, at most, they'll probably go one-on-one depending on if the defense has a good day. I would probably think that they're, they're going to have uh, a harder time with Baltimore than Kansas City, but... You know, I think I'm. I, you know, we talked enough about Cam. I don't want to look at their schedule. I want to ask you a question because I, I am fascinated by people that are a fan of a certain team. I, have you ever heard my story about why I'm not a fan of any team? Because you love football, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, I mean sure, but I actually I was a Seattle Mariners fan as a kid, and uh, the okay. Mariners broke my heart over and over. like they traded away people like Raul Abanez. They traded away. They traded for Eric Bedard. They got rid of Adam Jones. Like there were so many moves when I was like nine, ten, eleven. I went. I'm 11 years old, and I know that's a bad move. And I'm like, I cannot emotionally invest myself in this team anymore. I just refuse to do it. And I, 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 if you know where I'm going, my question is, why in the world are you still a Houston Texans fan? I, I don't understand why you put yourself through that. And I'm asking as a friend, Brett. I don't, I don't really get it, man. I don't, please explain to me. <laughs> I think to answer that question, you'll have to talk to any Eagles fan that follows your channel. And Eagles fans can chime in in the comments below. They put up with so much for so long, so much disappointment, so much heartbreak. 
And they're going through it again this year. They're 0-2. Yeah. You know, Wentz doesn't look the same. The defense looks terrible. But every single time they go to bed at night, they think about that Brandon Graham strip sack. And they think about they won a Super Bowl. And they think about the highs. Even mm-hmm. if it's only one high in like 100 years <laughs> that came from winning that Super Bowl. I don't and get it, man. They no will way. tell you, all to a man, it was worth it. That's crazy. I'm, to me. I'm hoping before I die, I will get that feeling. I respect that actually. The the desire to say, like you know what experience you want, right? That's cool to me. And every every Eagles fan would tell you the same thing. Every uh, you know who who's another uh, every Chiefs fan. You yeah. know the younger Chiefs fans that never experienced a Super Bowl. They experienced so much playoff heartbreak. Brody Croyle, Andrew Luck coming back from like 27 points. They they went through that shit. Mm. And here they are now. Like they, they will tell you it's worth it. Ah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I respect it. I, I respect it. I had someone else I was going to go with that. I, I, why not be just a Deshaun Watson fan? Uh, well, if you're if you're a Clemson football fan who casually roots for the Texans, that's probably why. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot of Clemson fans that root for the Texans now because of Deshaun and. I would imagine that wherever Trevor Lawrence goes, it's going to be a similar situation. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and Deshaun's an easy guy to root for. Oh, yeah. And I will always, like, even if we, for whatever reason, if a Cam Newton situation pops up where Deshaun doesn't play with us for his whole career, I will always root for Deshaun, no matter where he goes. Mm. Um, That's cool. But I was a Texans fan before Deshaun. I'm going to be a Texans fan after Deshaun. Uh, Crazy. Regrettably, man. but I will be. <laughs> Okay, I guess my last question, and by the way, I want people to know, my, my studio right now is covered in wires just all over the place. I hope someday it'd be fun to get you on camera if we ever can do that. <laughs> I think it'd be a fun tease, like, maybe someday we can make that happen. We can get One Brett on day. camera. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a tweet you put out a while back about a jalapeno seed, and I, I, I forget what happened now, but I, my, my impression was you had a jalapeno seed Jalapeno or jalapeno? How do you say that? I don't know. Correct I think me on the comments. I think so. Whatever. I heard you had one in your eye. Is that true? Yeah. So How? this was the first. Oh, it's it's <laughs> bullshit, dude. It's so bullshit. Okay, so it's the first Sunday of the season. Um, I'm emptying out some jalapeno. I'm you know slice yeah. them in half, emptying out some jalapenos because I'm gonna. I made like a chorizo cream cheese. You know, so I could do some bacon wrap jalapeno poppers. And so I'm using a spoon, I'm emptying out this half of a jalapeno, and like the spoon slips and it flicks a jalapeno seed perfectly under my eyelid. And I don't know if you've ever experienced like jalapeno oil in your eye. Imagine a jalapeno seed under your eyelid that you cannot get out. Nope. No, 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 no. And so (laughs) I I put my, I I couldn't see, like I thought I was going blind. (laughs) So I put my face under the sink to try to like open up my eyelid and have the water wash it out, which is a terrible idea, by the way, because the water will actually spread the oil all over your face. So my terrible. entire face was on fire. And we I, I literally used probably half a gallon of milk, you know, just putting it on paper towels and <laughs> you, just dabbing my face. Oh, I imagine you just face. pouring it on your face. That'd be so funny, that image of I, you. I, like... I really wanted to, but I, I was <laughs> literally just drenching my, my face in milk for probably a solid half an hour. Uh, it was excruciating. Were the poppers uh, worth do it? Do not recommend. Because the poppers look good. 
Oh, the poppers were excellent. The pain to get to the poppers was <laughs> terrible. Absolutely horrible. You know, I got to say, and I don't want to just invite myself over to your house, but I every time I look at your Twitter on game day, it's just better and better food. I want to compliment you because you seem to really know how to enjoy a football game based on what you drink and what you eat during game day. It's so cool to me to see. And the good thing, and you know this about being on the West Coast, is we don't even have to be awake until 1130. Mm -hmm. So the Sunday night game is actually at dinner time for us. So we can start a smoke early in the morning uh, and have the ribs be ready, you know, by like four or five o'clock just in time for the Sunday game. And then you're just you're chowing down for the next three and a half hours. Whereas a lot of people, you know, in on the East Coast, their their games, their second game starts at like four thirty, and their last mm-hmm. game starts at eight thirty. So, dude, no, uh, no, Brad, I got an even better plan. So, when the smoke rolled in, and I couldn't leave my house for like you know two weeks, it felt like I was miserable. And COVID's been terrible. I, I started looking at the Big Island of Hawaii, and Monday Night Football starts at like one o'clock there. I'm like, dude, Ugh. I could do. It'd be great. I could do so much because I could literally record Sunday night after football. It'd be so much easier for me to have everything move back like a little bit. Or I guess move forward. What's the what's that? Yeah, it'd be it'd be earlier in the day what football would be. I would be so down for all that. I, I don't I know you're probably like, hell no, but for me, to have football what at like seven, six in the morning? Oh, dude. That could just get but, up. You know, I it would be it would be okay. Uh but I just I weep for all the people that have office jobs in Honolulu and can't watch Monday Night Football ever. Oh, true. Yeah, that's that's true. I I wouldn't have that problem because that's my job. But yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> but think about it. Like I I already what I do now is I record a bunch of games. Usually I I miss about like the first half of the Sunday morning games anyway. Because I and then I pick the best one and watch that recorded after the fact so I can like skip through commercials and nonsense. In in Hawaii, like you're already everything's recorded. You're just like, okay, I get up at ten. What's available? Watch everything I want throughout the day. Record at like eight o'clock. It's out Monday morning on the East Coast at like six a.m. Bam. I already don't sleep. I might as well just lean into the schedule. I think it'd be. <laughs> I haven't slept tonight yet. By the way, I recorded last night at one in the morning. Here we are now. It's eleven o'clock the next day. I'm just. A, I don't know. I never sleep. It's terrible. Jeez, dude. I know. I'm rambling. <laughs> I should probably let you go, man. I, first, dude, thank you so much for your time. It's been really fun. Um, I love talking to you, and you're so accommodating behind the scenes. It means a lot to me. Absolutely. I, I really enjoy coming on. It's, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> well done, man. Um, let's touch base next time, uh, and uh, hopefully we can get Brett on video. That'd be so much fun. Brett, thank you so much, and uh, you're awesome. Absolutely. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I love Brett, man. One of my favorite human beings on planet Earth. Uh, I hope we can rendezvous. And I want to his food he makes on game day is so cool. I'd love to come taste it someday uh, at his house or whether he comes to my place, whatever. It'd be so cool and fun. And we could record a podcast like live and in person. It'd be incredible. Uh, now, I want to shift gears to my conversation with Tom Grassi. This is a long one. It's fun. Uh, we talk about football for like 30 minutes, then the, la- the rest of it's just about life and about our core values. It's interesting. It's weird. It's just a conversation with two friends having a good time. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Tom Grassi. Joining me now is my favorite Packer fan, Tom Grassi. Tom, how's life? What's going on? What's going on, buddy? Good to speak to you once again. Well, Hey, so no toaster bath because the Packers won this week. So that's good, right? Oh, yes. There was no toaster bath. Instead, we uh, we had some champagne with the toasters because, oh, boy, oh, boy. 
What is First it when week the, we're like, hey, 40 points, let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it? I know it's Vikings tears when you beat the Vikings. What happens when you beat the Lions? Yes. Is there any special thing there? Honestly, like we just move about our day like we didn't play a game because <laughs> <laughs> just another you know, week. It's 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 you know it, in comedy you don't punch down mm. and every time you beat the lions like that's not something really to gloat about it's yeah. just like that's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> I I kind of this is weird but I I cannot believe how many I I always you know I've never really done a film analysis of Matthew Stafford I've always just kind of gone on the assumption mm. that he must be like pretty good and the Lions organization around him just is the problem. Dude, two weeks in a row I've watched Matthew Stafford throw really bad embarrassing interceptions and gone oh maybe it's matthew stafford like i, I what do you, I, you you've been a north you know a, an nfc north fan for a long time is that your impression of matthew stafford like he's just kind of a bonehead what what's what are your no. thoughts on stafford i actually think that stafford is one of the best qbs Mm-hmm. Um, when he's healthy and ready to go. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has made mistakes uh, over these past couple of weeks. But I think, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it in the first part, like the guy hasn't had a team around him mm-hmm. for, I yeah. would argue, the majority of his career, right? He had Calvin Johnson for a little bit. He had Megatron. And then like that went away. He's never had a running game. His offensive line literally wants him to die. Like, you know, it's just there's a lot there in which I would argue if you're going to fix anything, Stafford isn't the problem. Now, mm. that's not to say that, like, you know, maybe the, the, the train has left the station or, you know, he's just not going to be the guy that's going to take them into this new era. But, yeah, I, I, I would not put the onus on Matthew Stafford for the Lions being pretty terrible for years. You know, I was uh, I've become a really big nerd about Bill Belichick. It's kind of crazy. And I know we weren't planning on talking about this, but I wanted to share because I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on it all. The video of Bill Belichick... And his final press conference as the head coach of the New York Jets, really the press conference where he steps down, is so mm-hmm. fascinating to me because it's a really kind of a lesson in making sure you're not setting yourself up for failure. Where he he realized the Jets were a bad situation to be in, and you had to wonder about guys like, God bless Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow's in a franchise that's going to have problems, and Matthew Stafford is in a similar situation where he was a number one overall pick, get got paid a lot of money, sure, but. Was he ever really set up to succeed at all? And it's interesting to me. I know this is a weird round. I'm not even sure if it's a question, but that Bill Belichick had the foresight to go, yeah, I'm not going to succeed as a head coach in New York with the Jets, and I don't think he would have. And if he had taken that Jets job, we'd never really know how good Bill Belichick was because he never would have had the opportunity probably to succeed in New England. It's kind of crazy how things worked out that way. You know, he, he actually, by turning down a job, probably saved his career which is crazy to think about that yeah yeah and I I think like you know you and I have spoken about this too like it's fascinating to me like those QBs that like could have made it right Mm. the ones that like they if they just went to a team where they could have sat for a little bit if they had some resemblance of an organization (sighs) around them how many like and you know obviously he played really well I look at an Andrew Luck and I'm just like that's a tragedy Right. Mm, like yeah. the fact that he hadn't had an offensive line for years and just took beating after beating after beating. You know, you look at even an RG three, right. Who like his first season was really, really good, suffers an injury. They play him anyway on terrible field conditions. And he's never the same after that. You know, I, I think it's, you know, it, it's, I, it just speaks to the importance 
of having an organization that knows what the hell they're doing. And I and I really hope, even though, you know, I was able to watch the, the Thursday night game between Cleveland and Cincinnati, and I loved everything I saw from Joe Burrow. And awesome. this is his second game. Like, the way that he just stood so confidently and poised in that pocket, I was like, ooh, you don't see that from a guy playing his second NFL game. And I just, like, pray that the Bengals don't find a way to mess it up. I was talking with Brett Coleman. Literally, we got off the phone like an hour ago. And his we were just talking about how to succeed as a quarterback in the NFL, as a young quarterback, there's so many factors that the quarterback can't control that he's dependent on. Like, the organization around him is so important. I mean, part of the, the benefit, like, it'll be really interesting. I've been very, you know, I, I've been a non-believer. I've been a skeptic of Justin Herbert, for example. But he's mm-hmm. really set up to have a great situation around him with really good coaching, good receivers. I, I love Anthony Lynn, the head coach. Pep Hamilton, the quarterback coach, is awesome. He's a former uh, DC Defenders XFL team head coach. Like Justin Herbert's in a great situation. It just I know I, I know we had no like plan to talk about any of this stuff, but it's so interesting to me. Like what makes a good quarterback succeed often is just the people around him. I mean, watching mm-hmm. Cam Newton on Sunday Night Football really kind of opened my eyes to wow. Tom Brady really did have an incredible support system around him for his 20-odd years in New England. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely and totally agree with that. And, you know, I think it's – you look at, like, the Matt Castles of the world, right, or even Jimmy Garoppolo, mm. just talking about guys who have gone through, like, the New England system, right, and have looked good in the yeah. New England system. And listen, like, I know the the talk of, like, Tom Brady being a system QB and, and all that great stuff. I think that Tom Brady is an incredibly talented QB. Mm. Um, but I think, you know – it's not taking anything away from him by saying, good God, like Belichick has laid a foundation there that has been phenomenal and is built around all of those players' strengths to make them look as good as possible. And that's why, like, you know, you look at a guy like Nate Solder, for example, Mm -hmm. right? How great is he in New England? And then he goes to New York and he's terrible. And how many times do you see that with like former coaches of like New England? And then they go to other places and they're terrible. And I think that, like you just said, it speaks to the environment that's created there. And like, that's kind of like a really cool thing of just like you go to a place and if you buy into it, you know, and this is why guys for New England, like they take pay cuts to work there mm. because they know this is the place that I am most set up to succeed. What's interesting, they gave Stefan Gilmore a ton of money, right? I wonder mm-hmm. if they actually view that as a bargain. Like maybe, maybe Stefan Gilmore, because he got like, well, I think 22 million guaranteed or something like that, but maybe he could have made way more on the open market. The Patriots go, we're paying him less than every other team in the NFL would. It's just interesting to me mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like, he was the defensive player of the year. I think he's still making, like, way less than other guys who are in oh, a yeah. similar position. It's like, ah. But people, he wants to be there. He's most successful there. I mean, you, you look at Cam Newton, right? Like, Cam Newton literally took, like, a dirt-poor contract yeah. to, to go there. And, and look at how he's looked the past two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, he's been set up for success. And regardless if the Patriots wind, wind up signing him to a long-term deal or not, Cam Newton's probably going to get paid a lot of money after this year. It might mm-hmm. not be with the Patriots, yeah. but he's just, they're going to be like, here's this platform. Here you go. And Cam knows that, right? I will take less money now to go and have a lucrative contract in the future, regardless of what team it's going to be with. Dude, how bad do the Bears look, right? They have Trubisky, and they <sighs> could have signed Cam Newton, and they yeah. did not. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're a Chicago fan, at what point are you just like, we could have had like every quarterback <laughs> at some point and we still chose Mitch Trubisky. And listen, you know, they're they're two and oh, I say that with like all the emphasis I can, because, you know, there's a really strong argument to be like, yeah, how how good is that two and oh, though? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, like that's that's one of those organizations that you look at, too, that I'm just like, oh, OK, that's. That's a thing that's happening there. I mean, listen, as a Packers fan, I'm all for it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all Chaos for it. Chaos in Chicago is good for you. A hundred percent. You know, when like the Giants are coming back and you don't even have Saquon Barkley and like they're actually like legitimately close to winning the game. That's when you know, like, oh, OK, we're doing something wrong. Or the only reason you won the Detroit game is because DeAndre Swift dropped the game winning touchdown. Like there's. There's problems. And I feel yeah. like at some point, you know, for the Chicago team, like it's just going to hit them in the face. And as you and I talked about the first week, then it's bringing Nick Foles time. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to help. But why do you think the Bears ownership keeps supporting Ryan? So Ryan Pace is the Bears general manager. He appears yeah. to make mistake after mistake. And they like kind of the, they're on the I talked with Brett about this. They're on like the borderline of the definition of insanity where they just keep trying the same thing over and over again. And it's not working. Why didn't they keep bankrolling Ryan Pace in Chicago? So it's funny you ask that because I have asked the exact same question <laughs> of Bears fans when they come yeah. on my show. And last year, I was talking to a Bears fan, and he gave, and he and he brought up some interesting points. He goes, "Okay, uh, he gets a lot of crap for Trubisky, mm. right? But yeah. he also has some great draft picks, right? Like an Eddie Jackson, sure. amazing value there. He brings in these guys, right? Who like do, David Montgomery, who do really well." And because of that, I feel like he does just enough that like they're like, OK, like we can we, we can keep him like we can continue mm -hmm. to do well. So I, I would imagine it's just because he's bought himself a, a bunch of runway. How long is that going to last? I mean, that that's another question. But I feel like, you know, Trubisky is the one that like sticks out like a sore thumb just because, you know, they didn't get a franchise QB. They traded up to go get him, and when they didn't have to. And like there's all these things like swirling around. And it's funny because I, I mentioned this, like people talk about the Packers wasting Aaron Rodgers prime, like the Bears right now are wasting that defense's prime, yeah. right? In which like there's only so much money and so much time that you have to keep those men on the field at the same time. And like there's a window, right? There's a window. And and I don't I don't know how much longer that's going to stay open for, but paying Jimmy Graham 16 million dollars over two years is not going to help that window. No. Well, it's weird to me. Why can't he just admit he's wrong? Why why can't he like and maybe that means his job, I don't know. Maybe they're like mm. your job is paired to Trubisky. But it seems like what he should do if he has any hope to save his job is to say, "Look, hey, I was wrong. It simply has not worked with Mitchell Trubisky. He's very average. He's never popped. He's never turned into what we hoped he would." Is there is that a possible scenario where Ryan Pace, the Bears general manager, manager could just own that, "Hey, Trubisky didn't work." We're looking for other options because we still want to win. Because I guess you're right. You can honestly say, other than the quarterback, maybe he's done good stuff otherwise. Mm -hmm. So you can make an argument for his job as long as you own that Trubisky was a failure, right? Um, I don't know. Is it a matter of like you've just kind of dug yourself into a hole too deep? Because I feel like they have acknowledged it without acknowledging it, yeah. right? Like they go out and get Nick Foles. Yeah. And they're paying him a bunch of money. They trade a fourth rounder for him. I mean, like, you don't do that when you're just like, I'm really happy with Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. But and like you and I talked about this, like, again, the actions are speaking louder than the words. And I feel like at this point, 
like everybody knows mm. right it's just like that thing you don't talk about and like everyone's like hush hush about it like they know like we all know that mitch trubisky is not going to most likely be the qb next year of the chicago bears like it's not gonna he happen he shouldn't be he shouldn't be and i think you know the problem is too is that if he comes out tomorrow and goes you know what guys like we were wrong we're, we were wrong because right now they're two and oh they're two yeah. and oh regardless of how bad they look they're two and oh yeah if they came out tomorrow and were like, Mitch Trubisky's not the answer, the next question is going to be, okay, well, then what is? And you better pray it's Nick Foles mm. because then other than that, because you can't, even if you know you're going to suck this year, you, you can never go out and say, we're going to suck this year. Yeah. Like you did, that's just not a viable option. But mm. I'd be very curious to see what they're going to do in the draft, um, you know, when it comes to the QB position, depending on where they are. But then again, you could also say the same thing about the Minnesota Vikings, which... Oh, that's just the cherry on top of this wonderful cake. I got a question, and I want to talk about the Packers game and how they're doing, but I want to ask first, how do you explain the bad years from Aaron Rodgers where not necessarily he was bad, but the team around him was bad, and therefore the record at the end of the year was bad? I I, I think, you know, I made a whole video like Aaron Rodgers is no longer elite. I, I don't know if I would say that now, um, but I, I felt at the time like how does an elite quarterback – have a year where they, I think, five and eleven or some horrible record. I'm like, how does that happen? How, what do you, how do you explain all that? Well, Zachary, our educate me, wins, please. Our wins a QB stat. No. So in that sense, I mean, I will be very honest with you. We should have had more losing seasons mm. from 2011 to 2020. We had what two? I believe two losing seasons under Aaron Rodgers, you know, yeah. and one that he like got hurt. And then there was two years ago, you know, where he started the whole, but like he like messed up his knee in the first game against the bears, what have you. Mm. And, and you look at this in which I would argue 2014, they had a good defense. And then maybe last year they had a good defense. And again, good is also a very strong word in some cases because yeah. the run defense wasn't there or maybe some years the pass defense wasn't there, but to, to honestly sum it up in the quickest way possible, the 2010 season, we had an amazing defense, capitalized on turnovers. Guys stepped up. It was incredible. We win a Super Bowl, right? Mm. 2011, we put one of the best offenses on the field in arguably NFL history. Like, the 2011 Packers are amazing during the regular season. We go 15-1. Yeah. and one. The defense is trash. Now, you have so many injuries. Charles Woodson, Nick Collins, they all leave, right? You have all these injuries, and they never get replaced, you have pass rushers who mm. never get replaced yeah. and they try. They like, you know, they go out and then later down the line, they get guys in like 2015, like Demarius Randall or Quentin Rollins. They both bust out. You get a ha ha Clinton Dix. He's no longer on the team. Like they try to, to do this. They get like Derek Sherrod as a pet. Like they get all these guys and they don't pan out. Now they get some great hits on it. Like a David Bakhtiari, you know, a Randall Cobb. They get, they get some Devonte Adams. They get some great picks. But at the same time, for me personally, how I'm looking at it is that defense never really gets addressed. They bring in Julius Peppers, right? Mm -hmm. So the 2014 season yeah. is pretty good. They get really, really, really close and, and they should have been in the Super Bowl, but they, they, they fall short. And I think, you know, for Rodgers, if you want to look at an elite QB, like pull up the 2016 tape, the run the table season is Aaron Rodgers. That's no, and I will, and I know it's a team sport. That's nobody else from that mm. Philadelphia game all the way over to that Atlanta game. That is Aaron Rodgers just winning the football game, and he's just like, I'm literally going to do this. And Puts I think the team that on his back. 
literally like there there's a famous picture of him sitting in the locker room like slumped over just like oh, we did it when they make the playoffs and i think 2017 he gets injured was that the year they beat the cowboys he's not the same say again was that the year yeah, they beat the cowboys yep. that incredible yep. throw against the dallas cowboys in uh in dallas oh my gosh yeah in the divisional round to yeah. jared cook yep beautiful yep yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, And then they go and they get blown the hell out mm. by the Falcons. Yeah. And their defense, like, I think they were down at least, like, three scores by the time halftime came about. Yeah. And, you know, that that's the kind of thing. Like, they get constantly blown out. I mean, you look at last year, right, in which Aaron Rodgers statistically wasn't amazing, right? He still made some ridiculous throws, but he wasn't statistically amazing. He, I argue he wouldn't have to be. But then you look at 2019, they had no run defense, like the 49ers literally were like, we're just going to hand it to Mostert and win the game. And they did. And there was no adjustment. So I think, you know, the, it's not necessarily on Aaron Rodgers. And I'm kind of really happy that he came out week one and was just like, hey, I still got it, guys. Like, mm. we're, we're, we're still good. And, you know, I, th- I think it kind of opened a lot of people's eyes. But I, for Packers fans who have been watching him for years and years and years now, you know, a year and a half where he wasn't himself, you know, the other half of the year he's injured. I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know if you can ever say he stopped being elite, but you could make an argument that the team just wasn't as good around him. He played mm. injured and all that stuff. But, you know, also QBs have crappy years. Yeah. You know, that it, it happens. I think, you know, you can have a, an off year or something like that. But right now, Aaron Rodgers playing some pretty damn good football. So I want to ask you about that on on Sunday. Maybe and maybe I. I'm remembering wrong. I remember just a couple missed throws that are yes. uncharacteristic of Aaron Rodgers. Is that what you remember from Sunday? Uh, yes, there was a couple where he definitely missed guys. It was like guys. a bubble um, he just threw out of bounds. I'm like, that was weird. Like, Yeah, there was some that he completely missed. Um, there were some drops uh, from, from wide receivers. LaFleur brought that up in the press conference. But yeah, that and that's what I'll say too. Like, You will definitely see, you saw this last year too, especially that Lions game, like week 17. Mm. You saw Rodgers miss some throws, like blatantly just miss throws. Um, and I think that's like coming with age and, and, and all that stuff. It's also coming with like, you know, very uh, green wide receivers and, yeah. the, you know, what have you. But I think that for every throw that he misses, you know, you, you have incredible throws and, and some just perfectly drop in the bread basket kind of throws. And then it's not me defending him because when Aaron Rodgers sucks, I, I call him out on it. Like, yeah. again, last year at point, like I remember watching that week 17 game and I was like, oh, this is bad. Like, this is, like, this is real, real bad. Like, he's missing a lot mm. of throws. But mm. then, like, he makes amazing throws to, like, Alan Lazard that, like, almost no QB can do. Yeah. So I think just, you know, the the times of Aaron Rodgers putting the team on his back and being consistently from whistle to whistle, you know, the most consistent, not going to miss any throw kind of QB, I don't think that's around anymore. But that's because, you know, he's getting into his late 30s, what have you. But, I mean, the guy still has it. You know what I mean? It just—I yeah. think you're going to see some missed throws and missed opportunities in between them. I, I have two thoughts. Number one is that it's cool the Packers. Rodgers can have a very average, okay day. Like, look, he was not bad, remotely bad on Sunday. Right? He was pretty good. Mm-hmm. He just had a couple mm-hmm. throws. I went, that's weird. But what's cool is the Packers are—they won forty-two to twenty-one. In spite of that, like, there is still a good football team around Aaron Rodgers, which is so mm-hmm. encouraging, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and that's what I said. So, like, week one, it was the Aaron Rodgers show, right? Mm, Four yeah. touchdowns, guys, it was incredible. And as soon as that game was over, I said, what I want to see in week two is I want to see a dominant run game because mm. I want to see them 
be able to fire on all cylinders because if you're going to beat a team like the 49ers pre-injury if you're going to be a team like the Chiefs or be a team like the Ravens you need to be more than a one-dimensional offense and it seems again you know it's only week two we're not jumping you know and he's saying, yeah, oh, yeah. man, yep. like, you know, making any proclamations. But right now they're looking pretty damn good. The only concern I have is with the defense. Um, and that's that's my only concern in terms of like the run defense. You know, Kenny Clark is obviously out, what have you. But I think Sunday is going to be a really good litmus test against the Saints because you have Alan Kamara, you have Latavius Murray. Um, we'll we'll see how they perform. I think it's so cool, regardless of what Aaron Rodgers does the rest of his career, is he gave something to the game of football. You watch his footwork, and I, I've been watching a lot of film of Josh Allen literally all day. Josh Allen is doing Aaron Rodgers-like things with footwork where there's a, he still has a ball down the right sideline to a former Viking, Stefan Diggs, and does that thing where, like, you know when Rodgers pops off that front foot where he, like, kind of... Yep. I, I, Josh Allen does that exact move, and it's kind of... You know, Rodgers says he does that to protect his front leg, Watching Josh Allen do that was like, oh, that's cool because that's partially Aaron Rodgers' legacy. Like he innovated certain mm-hmm. little things and technical parts of the game of football that are, are people are going to do for the rest of their their careers and the rest of the game as long as football exists. Those little things that Rodgers kind of invented are always going to live on. That's so cool to me is the nuances at quarterback that he kind of invented and um, innovated with. I, I just love that about A Rod. Yeah, I it's one of the things besides all that like what he's given to football he's recently been saying this a lot and i feel like you and i talked about this maybe once maybe during like the four-hour interview that we did <laughs> um when he was talking to and now i remember bonnie Vare, like what he was talking oh my god i can't remember is it that Justin? was right he did an interview with bonnie Vare at the at lambeau field right he was at lambeau like in one Wild. of like, the suites or something yep you know he he mentioned winning the super bowl and like he won it and he's like it was this amazing moment and he's holding up the trophy and he's like, but at that moment, like, I realized, like, there has to be more than just this. Mm. And that wasn't, like, a, a knock against football. Yeah. That was, he said, that's when I really realized, like, it's not about, like, the trophy at the end, even though that's what you're trying to constantly get. It's about, like, the relationships and the team around you and how you relate to the guys and things oh, like that. Yeah. And, like, for him to, and that's what he tells guys now who have come and gone from Green Bay you know, like that's kind of the message that he's been putting out towards them. He goes like, listen, like this is finite, right? Eventually we're all going to stop playing football Mm. and it's, you know, what are you going to have after that? And like that for me, I feel like is such a lesson, especially to give the young guys, you know, of just like, enjoy this, make those relationships, form those bonds. Because like at the end, you know, hopefully you have money, right? And hopefully you have success and fame or whatever. But like, that's the stuff that like is going to transcend the game. And I'm just like, absolutely. Like that's what a fantastic message to get from the leader of your locker room. Well, that's always been my favorite thing. And maybe uh, shows tremendous wisdom from Gardner Minshew, right? Mm-hmm. I, I met Gardner Minshew in college. We went to college together. Kind of weird. We, that's crazy to me, right? But he always, even in his year at Washington State, understood that there was no guarantee for Gardner Minshew to make it to the NFL and be successful. So his final year in college at Washington State, he said, I'm going to enjoy every moment. It's my stupid mustache, whether I'm in the parking lot with people. He worked his butt off because part of what he wanted, he wanted to get everything he could out of the experience. And part of that was winning and being successful. Part of that was enjoying it. And that balance is hard to find. And, and I've always really appreciated that about Gardner Minshew is that he works his butt off. He's highly prepared. So he doesn't have a, nothing's lacking when it comes to on the field. But he also enjoys the moment, 
and he's very galvanizing as a player. And it's cool to hear Rodgers kind of, in his later years, really kind of come to appreciate that too. Like, this is going to come to an end at some point. You never know when. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the ride. I I love hearing Mm -hmm. that about Rodgers. Yeah. And again, like, I think exactly, like, that's that's what you want, right? Because, like, we look at football, we enjoy it as entertainment and as a sport and what have you. Um, and I, I, like, I think like there, there, there are times like you look at football and like, it is a beautiful game. It's a very like violent, horrific game at times, but like, it's a beautiful game. And for you to be able to like pull that out of that, you know, like, so, cause some of these guys, like literally they're going to grow up Mm. and like, this is going to be like their second family or what have you. And you know, that's, I don't know, like, that's something that's like really, really cool to me that, you know, if you, if you have someone that can like pass on that wisdom, yeah, I'm all about it. I think football is unique in one way that and other you can get this in other sports for sure, but the life lessons sure. you can learn through football, I, there are certain parts that are so unique to only football. Like, I'm sorry, but you're not going to get the same experience ab- about a team in golf, for example. And even in basketball, like one guy can dominate a lot more easily than you can have one guy dominate in football. Like there really has to be cohesion and teamwork. And there's so Mm -hmm. many little lessons you can learn. And that's honestly partially why I don't want to play anymore. Like I've come to realize, yeah, it's a pain in the butt to deal with other people and to collaborate that much. (laughs) Like and I I just know myself, I don't want to deal with 18-year-olds anymore. Um, And I I just, uh, there is so many infinite life lessons you can learn from football, I guess is my point. Did you see, go ahead, please. No, that, it's funny i think he mentioned something about this too like you look at like a michael jordan right mm-hmm. like the guy could play defense and could play offense he could do both yeah in football you can't do both right aaron Rodgers can play his tail off and put up 42 points and they can still lose the game because he can't play defense mm-hmm. and i think it's like that that faith that you have and that the fact that you have to rely on another guy or guys to do their job I don't know, like, there's there's something really cool about that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, and again, you find that in other sports, most definitely. But, like, the fact that it's just, like, I did my job, I go sit down now, and I really hope that this other guy does his job. Like, I feel like that's a great way to, like, build a community or tear them apart if they suck. But, like, that's that's one of those things that I feel like you have those little, like, small pockets of, uh, like, companionship within a team. I hope we get an Aaron Rodgers documentary someday, and I hope it's actually oh, not yes. a football life. Because a football life is great, but it's very cookie-cutter, and it's very nice and pretty and kind of perfect. Where yeah. I want to see like a maybe 30 for 30 or some independent separate entity could make a documentary about Aaron Rodgers. To really, I want to hear his story, hear who he is, and hear him tell. I want to hear an interview of Aaron Rodgers reminiscing on the past. And like yeah. the draft and Brett Favre and Jordan Love. I, maybe it's 10 years from now we get that. But how fun would that be? It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? I I have said this now ever, ever since I really started this podcast and I first got the question of like, if you were interviewing Aaron Rodgers, like what's the one question you would ask him? And a lot of people, you know, have asked him over the years about the draft of falling mm. in the first round, yeah. sitting behind Favre and now about Jordan Love and defenses and stuff like that. And I wouldn't ask him any of that. Honestly, the question to me that I am dying to know, because I truly am fascinated by it. When Aaron Rodgers gets drafted by the Green Bay Packers, the fans hate him. And I mean hate with a capital H. They boo the ever-living crap out of him. And that's before he even takes the field. Then what winds up happening, right? Favre says he's retiring, so it's going to be Rodgers. Favre comes back. The fans could like these fans show up to training camp to boo Aaron Rodgers when he steps on the field. And for me, 
for, for you know he talks about this and talks about like the position that he's put in and like it was miserable like he said i wouldn't mm-hmm. wish this on my worst enemy it's miserable and for me like the number one question i would have is at like how do you rationalize and like want to become a member of this community that literally hated you mm. and like how like how do you grow and maybe that's just a maturity thing in which like I, I don't know about like zach i'm not gonna put words in your mouth but like if i am like legitimately hated by an entire community there's definitely a part of me that's like screw you then like i don't yeah. i don't want to do i don't want to play for yeah. you right like i'm not going to take that contract extension and you know that could put the chip on the shoulder to make me play better and what have you but like i i just like that fascinates me that he can not only play incredibly well but on top of that he does so much for the community he does so much for the fan base and like that's just fascinating to me that the people literally who were just like booing the crap out of you you can turn around and be like here you go Right. Like that, that to me is fascinating. Like, how do you mentally get over that? Is it just by playing well and shutting them up? You know, because then I feel like there's still like that little and this is just obviously me. Like, there's still like that little like harboring of feelings of like, wait a minute, screw you. Like, the only reason you're liking this is because I'm winning football games now. You know, the only comparison I can come up with, because uh, I think I can somewhat relate like a little tiny, tiny bit. So you and I both, we talk about sports for a living. We get millions of views and we have lots of people that follow us. And so to some degree, doing our job mm-hmm. causes us to get attention, and some of that's negative. Sure. And I, I don't know about you. I, I'm sure this is true for you, too, though. I started doing this because I love sports. I love talking about football. Mm-hmm. It's my passion. I love it, right? Aaron Rodgers plays quarterback because he loves playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. And although we understand part of the job of playing quarterback and part of the job of being in the media is dealing with comments and dealing with people that are angry at you and that hate you mm-hmm. it doesn't make it fun nobody likes being the villain correct and, and i know that i'm going through this weird thing i'm just emotional turmoil for me where you know I, I my job is to be honest about quarterbacks it's part i'm a quarterback analyst and i've always looked at justin herbert on film and gone ah i have a lot of questions and concerns sure. i'm very skeptical of him being successful but i also want him to succeed like i root for him as a human being Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to not let the comments from angry Chargers fans get to me where it, it like there's a little tiny part of me that if, if Justin Herbert fails, it's like, ah, oh, all those people that give me crap right now are going to eat their yeah. words later. But I also that's like a dark thing I try to push down because the reality sure, is that sure. those people aren't Justin Herbert. And I I want Justin Herbert, the person to succeed and make it and be a good quarterback. And I try not to let that negativity from other people taint my emotion towards Justin Herbert, but it's so mm-hmm. hard to do. And I imagine that to some degree, Rodgers has wrestled with a little bit of that kind of, how do I not let my emotion towards this thing get tainted by this hate I'm getting by this other group of people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you bring up YouTube, good old YouTube comments. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think it's also, you know, and this, and I, I'm going to say this literally for like any analyst, right? Mm, yeah. That, what you're looking at is the tape that's presented to you, right? So if you, Zach Schaumler, are able to look at this tape and go, hey, I see this, 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 and this, which I see as problematic. It's not a one-time thing. It's happening. Like, there's a pattern here. I'm concerned. Yeah. Because of that, here's the conclusion I can draw from this. Yeah. 
especially with rookie QBs, we've never seen them play a snap of NFL football. Correct. We watched Justin Herbert play the first ever NFL game, his first NFL game on Sunday, and he looked pretty good, right? He looked pretty solid. So, like, I feel like it's almost unfair because, like, you can look at this. So, like, last year, for example, I watched DK Metcalf tape, Mm. and I looked at that, and I was like, here's what I don't like about DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf has gone on and looks like he is going to have a very successful NFL career. And I feel like, you know, at the same time, sure, people go back and are like, oh, you were wrong about this one. Yeah, I was. Because I was looking at what was in front of me and I said, this is what I saw Mm. and this is my opinion. And that's it. So I feel like, you know, YouTube comments are, are a beast in of itself. But the thing that, like, bothers me personally because now we're going to get into it, Zach. You wanted this to be like a five-minute conversation. Now Let's we're going we're going six hours now. All okay. right. So not to name names. We won't name names. So a Packers beat writer mm. um, <laughs> made a comment about me a few months ago about how he didn't understand why so many people watched and followed my content. Because I wasn't associated with the team. So he couldn't put that together. And it was basically a way of just like, hey, I'm a beat writer. I can go into the locker room, right? I have connections on the team, blah, 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 blah. How come more people aren't looking at me? And why are they looking at this guy who's sitting in his basement, right? Mm, yeah. So that was, that, that was basically the comment. And to me... Like that like pissed me off to no end because I'm looking at this and I was like, if anything, that's a poor reflection on you, because if you have the connection to this team and the information that you're putting out there and people are still going, nah, we're going to go watch Grassy, that's a you problem. Mm. And I feel like, you know, in the profession that we are in, regardless of what you say and what you do, there are going to be people out there. And you and I said this, like, I I think we talked about this years ago in which I said, you can make the greatest apple pie in the world. Right. And people (laughs) will still not like apple pie. Some people are still not going to like apple pie. And that's something that I have definitely wrestled with over the years because I'm like, why the hell don't you like it? It's delicious. And, (laughs) and that's the thing. Like there's just going to be some people that don't like you, that don't respect you, that don't appreciate you. And the, the, the problem is, and, and I know that you've dealt with it and I most certainly have dealt with it. It's like trying to shut that out because I still know I can get a hundred positive comments, but there's going to be one a-hole in the comments. And I'm gonna be like, that's the only comment I'm thinking about. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's hard too. And we, I mean, I know that, look, I, I actually still have not slept yet from last night. There you go. Like I and I, we pull crazy hours to get yes to do what we do. And look, happily, I have the best GD job on the world, like on the planet. I love my job, but it's hard. And when I'm grinding, sure. and some dude on YouTube is mad at me that like I I mispronounced some name, I'm like, bro, yeah. bro, like I I'm literally like on 26th hour of the day for me. Like, I'm sorry, I mispronounced and forgot the silent K and the guys, like, whatever. You know, it's like, <laughs> dude, come on. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I think even what's worse, actually, if I may, I- I'm Please. noticing that what's hard for me 
is when people, if you listen to my content enough, you can sense my heart. I, I think my heart comes mm-hmm. through, and you can tell I, I mean well. I try really hard to be honest and fair. I'm really not a guy out to get anybody. I don't really make a lot of clickbait. I don't. My intention is never to be controversial. I think I, I do that enough organically by accident anyway. Sure. And I, when people make comments that, and and I don't, I, I really, I need to. It's maybe counseling I need for all this stuff. But it's like you and me both, buddy. <laughs> I, I, it's like I need to realize they don't know me. Like they don't. They're they mm-hmm. looked at one thing or read a headline. They didn't even listen to my video. They don't know my heart, and they're not attacking my heart. They don't know anything about me. And for mm-hmm. some reason, those are the comments that hurt me the most and really get to me. It's like when some guy attacks my morals or my yeah. my principles, I'm like, oh, no, you don't know me. It's like, well, of course they don't. I should remember that every time I get bothered by that. Yeah. And like, but, you know, the Internet is is such a fascinating beast yeah. <laughs> in which, you know, like we and again, this is not to be just like, you know, we're, we're not Jesus carrying the cross here. No. Like, we're not just being like, we are better than brain surgeons here. We like, have a silly, should... like, let's be honest. I feel like we have a, we work in entertainment and it's kind of meaningless. And I'm really glad it's meaningless because I can't imagine trying to cover like politics or something that have actual yeah, impact. It, It'd be so awful to me. Exactly. But like at the same time, like, you know, anybody who puts themselves out there on the internet, right? Like they subject themselves to all of the reactions positive Mm. and negative yeah and i think unless you are fully prepared for that which i don't really think you can be unless you just go through it year after year after year yeah you know it it takes a toll like it takes a mental toll and i think like it is very very easy to like get sucked into like that circle of hate and like you know anger and and all that crap of just like well it's like screw you man like you're saying all this crap about me and but how can you say that because like you're talking like yesterday as you're talking about this like i went to go do my job i can't i love all the people who are like go get a real job and i'm like hey 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 uh i'm a teacher literally during a pandemic so like i went (laughs) from my job from seven o'clock to 2 30 and then from three o'clock to midnight i worked on this job yeah. Like that was my day yesterday. And then I got up at five o'clock and did it all over again. So, you know, for, for that, like, I feel like it's just like the frustrating thing and I'm never expecting anyone to like everyone to love me or yeah. anything like, or agree with me or anything like that. But yeah, like, I feel like there is a little bit of like no humanity in some of like the comments. Cause it's like, here's a talking head on my screen. I'm going to say he looks dumb or says something dumb or attack his morals and do whatever. And then I'm going to walk away from it. Mm. Right. And like, it, and there's times where I'm just like, I have to let it go. Like I have to step away from it because if I get too involved with it, like is it's not going to end well. Well, I imagine like I want to build a sustainable business, and because yeah. we we got pretty popular pretty quickly, and I, I want to keep it going. I love what I do, and part of that means I have to get better at handling all this stuff. Like I, I I understand that, and I think the more I do it, the better I'm getting slowly. And one of the parts of that is I think actually. When you see a comment that's meaningful to you or someone sends you a nice message, tell them that. Like, thank you so much for that. And then you want to be careful. Like, don't, like, don't get too high. We talked about this at your house, you know, in in February on that four-hour-long show we did where you can't get too high or too low. But it's it does – it matters to, like, when people say nice stuff to you, I reward that as much as I can to say, like, hey, man. Hey, Damien from Slovakia, thank you so much for – like, that means a lot to me to get a nice message from someone who appreciates what I do. That's so cool to me. Um, so yeah. I, I try to go out of my way to appreciate that. 
there is like I, I want to say the kid couldn't have been older than like 11 years old this happened mm-hmm. last week yeah I, I was doing the show with ryan grant and i literally like we're <laughs> sitting there and we're calling ourselves something different every week because yeah, yeah i love it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so so i think it was, I said, it was like, grassy you know, and grant uh grassy and grant rants today. yeah yeah that, that, that's yeah. what it was that's what it was yesterday yeah. but this yeah this 11 year old kid um he suggested it and i you know i hearted the comment on, on youtube i yeah. thought it was a good name whatever he goes on instagram he tags me in it and he's just like oh my god like tom grassi like my comment like this is amazing thank you so much whatever whatever and i was like that was like the most wholesome shit that i needed to get through like this day of just like you know you you hear that like over and over again and especially the industries of like education and entertainment it is a very thankless job and I think, you know, like you said, those moments that you actually get like that praise of, you know, I'm sure you've gotten those too of like, hey, you've helped me through some like really dark times or yeah. you inspired me to like start a show. I had an 18 year old kid comment and because when I was running my marathon, he goes, you inspired me to run a marathon. So I was the youngest kid in my marathon in my hometown to run. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, that's incredible. And I think like that's the kind of stuff that you have to like hold on to because for every like douchebag that's like in the comments, like a kid's running a marathon because of you like that's that's incredible yeah well i think you're remembering too we're all we all are involved whether you're watching or listening or creating content no matter who you are we all are a part of this because we like we like sports like it self centers around love mm-hmm. of football even the guy leaving a mean angry comment i don't know what's happening in that dude's day and i'm sorry for that person but sure. they're still probably find joy in watching the cowboys or watching the la charge like whatever it is right and i it all centers around we love football we love sports and that's kind of the the key thing we need to remember. And it's sad that it doesn't bring us together more. Um, yeah. But I've just accepted, like, there are people that are angry. That's okay. I also know that it's true that the loudest people are usually the angriest. Like, you yes. I, I look at the like, I look at the like like dislikes ratios, or the fact that my show is growing tremendously. I go, okay, a couple mad people do not, do not reflect the majority of the people listening to all my stuff. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. No, you're you're 100 right. I mean, like, and I've also kind of owned that a little bit. Like, I do rankings every uh-huh. week of like teams, and I literally am just like, this is an arbitrary show about arbitrary rankings <laughs> that mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. So if you're pissed off, I'm sorry. Go read other rankings. Like, like yeah. it's that simple. Can I can I ask you a question? Because I I did a topic. I keep getting asked to do power rankings, and I said no because I and I I hope you don't watch this video ever and get like offended because I I, I actually try to give a shout out to you because I said some people do it because it's fun. But my big problem with power rankings when I was a kid growing up is that it felt like people on TV did it to get, you know, create controversy mm-hmm. and to try to get a mention about a team they don't normally talk about very often. Mm-hmm. What's your reasoning behind doing it? Cuz I I know that you're you're not just trying to create controversy, you're not you're not stirring up trouble like I think some people that are I'm not going to mention any names of people that have started growing beards like me that do shows on network television. <laughs> try to look even more like me next thing this dude's gonna start doing is wearing a hawaiian shirt i'm telling you 100 <laughs> percent. and start a show oh my <laughs> <laughs> if the fox sports people start doing that i'm gonna just go crazy uh, we're done we're done <laughs> we're, we're contacting lawyers at this point um i honestly do it because i think it's a lot of fun like yeah. and and i got a comment literally not on this week's but on last week's power rankings and one of the top comments was like, this is one of the only comment sections for rankings that there isn't a ton of hate. I love and that. someone just goes, yeah, because it's like logical because like that. And that's how I think I follow up with everything. Mm. If I make a comment, here's why I think that, right? Mm. Like, it's not just going to be like, ah, uh, the Seahawks are number nine. Cause 
I don't like him. Like, like there's, Russell never, Wilson. there's never any of that. Maybe for the Vikings, but like, yeah. there's never any of that. <laughs> it's more of just like, here's my opinion. You can disagree yeah. with me. And yeah. I think, you know, for me, I enjoy making it because I have a lot of fun with it. And at the same time, like it helps me engage with the community and I see like where mm. their rankings are and what have you. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, but no, like there's rankings out there that like last week had like the Saints at number one and like the Packers at number 10. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're all yeah. over the place. And like you said, it's clickbait crap to try to just be like, oh, look how controversial this is. And no, like I just I'm making it because it's fun. I'm just like, here's where I see the NFL this week. Do you agree? No. OK, that's cool. <laughs> well, also, there's two things that are key to that. Number one is your, your tone. Literally, the way you deliver yeah. that is combative or is welcoming. But the other thing is I can really see it being fun as an exercise to ask yourself, who are the top 10 teams in the NFL yeah. and why? And if you have answers why, it's actually a fun exercise to figure out your beliefs. And it mm-hmm. does, I, I'm sure, would teach you more. It forces you to get to know the league a little bit better. Yes. It's, it's interesting to me. It's a fun exercise, if nothing else, right? Yeah. No, it, it, it is very enjoyable because I'm just like, so like I did this with the Titans. So like mm-hmm. I ranked the Titans like pretty low this sure. week. Like, because again, for me, you know, being able to watch some of their games, like they've squeaked out wins against teams that they shouldn't really squeaked them out against. Yeah. And I looked at that and I was like, you know what? But Ryan Tannehill had like a pretty damn good day. You know, they don't have AJ Brown. So like I did that and I recorded it and I put it out there and I was like, you know what? Maybe they could be a little bit higher. So, and someone mentioned that and I was like, yeah, you know what? You could argue that they can definitely be higher here, but mm. that's why like I started off with just like, these are arbitrary. This is yeah. going to change next week. And, and that's it. Like it, my, my opinion is just that that's it it is not gospel it doesn't mean that that's set in stone that doesn't mean that your team sucks forever or is amazing this is a random guy in a basement just making power rankings for fun <laughs> what's well, discussion it's a conversation yeah. it's not you're right it's not the 10 commandments you're not laying down the no. law that's so much more fun too because it's what i think is interesting is hosting a conversation where everyone can, mm-hmm. it's just that's cool to me mm-hmm. yeah Tom, yeah, I do it in the classroom. <laughs> what, what is the you, – you and I were texting earlier, uh, and what the heck is the Iberian Peninsula? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Zach um, – because th- these, are, these are worth reading. So, sure. so Zach texted me, and I, I, I texted him, like, you know, if we're still doing today and whatever, whatever. And so um, he said, is there anything that I want to talk about? And the first thing I said was social mobility in a traditional economy. <laughs> and you just go – Oh, fun. <laughs> and then I said, if we have time, I'll bring up overfishing in the Iberian Peninsula. So the Iberian Peninsula is where Spain and Portugal are. Okay. And uh, I just made up that there was an overfishing problem. But literally before I went on this show, I found out that the common trout is actually in starting to get endangered. And they think that the population is going to be halved by 2040. So <laughs> oh you know what? I Me making that up. Now I was glad that I'm able to talk about the overfishing problem in the Iberian Peninsula. <laughs> I'm just going to bring up random like uh, facts. Tom, is the apocalypse uh, during, coming? During I looked at the thing on Washington Post. Today. It said here. we have seven years. <laughs> it said that we had like seven years and 102 days. And I was like, oh, crap. Carbon or something, right? Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. I'm going to move to Hawaii and live off rainwater and just leave me alone. Yeah. Please. Uh, you know what? At this point, though, I'm looking at it of like. 
you know what? I'll do a play-by-play when the asteroid comes. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> You'll live stream it, bro. Yeah, I'll live stream it. I'll be like, thank you for the $3 donation. Currently in an underground bunker, but have great Ethernet. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to do it. And yeah. we can just watch it together, and there'll be a community, and there'll still be some a-hole going, ha-ha, owning the liberals with the asteroid. Like, it's still going to happen. <laughs> and, and I'm just going to be like, you know what? Yeah, let's just let's just all go down in a, 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 a thing of flames. And, like, that... And that's the thing too, like, and this will be the last thing I promise. No, I like, I'm not in any hurry. It's fun for me. That th- like this summer, obviously, like there was a lot going on in the world, and it leaked into the football world <laughs> yeah. too, like a lot. And and I I I have no problem. I've done, I did this years ago, and I did it this year. Like I spoke up about how I felt about it, especially when it's like literally brushing and hitting into football. Mm. And you know, it's it's one of those things that I understand the people who go, I am watching your show for an escape. And I and I like that I can provide that to people. And that's kind of like the Jim Carrey, you know, I, I give you that freedom from concern kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, I, and I always love that. And I, I think I always try to do it, you know, but I, I think also and, and why I enjoy the community so much is because the, the people who are here know, like, when I'm talking about something like it's serious enough to talk about. And I, and I've gotten to the point where I made videos where I was at like 98.7 thousand subscribers working for a hundred thousand, like working my ass off to get to that five days a week for over a year straight, what have you. And I'm like, if I lose subscribers, just I lose subscribers for it. And I think like, Mm. you know, if we're, I have had so many amazing conversations with people who we are completely on different sides of the political arena, like completely different sides. And you're talking about football being a unifying thing. Unfortunately, you know, not as much nowadays, I think, but it, it really can bring people together. And I feel like, you know, having conversations about like these topics, it is, it is good. And it, and it like, that's the only way there's going to be any type of progress because if we're just like, hey, screw you, because you think that, like, that that doesn't help anybody. And I feel like that, you know, with the platforms that we have, even though, like, I will still say, like, if people ask me, I'm like, oh, do you think you're famous? Absolutely not. I'm literally a nobody in my basement. But, yeah. you know, for the platforms that we have, like, I think if we don't utilize them to try and do something good, you know, for me, then, then I don't want the platform. Mm. I, uh, well, I do that with suicide a lot too i talk about suicide yeah. prevention all the time i got a really cool um recommendation from somebody uh i've never told this story i've never i, I really don't talk about it i've never said this publicly i got a pretty big job offer from a, a sizable network and uh i turned it down and i i lost out on some income from it but i got more freedom because of it and i was happy with it but the best advice they gave me they're very kind i mean they really understood mm-hmm. my position and they said no matter what you do just don't stop being yourself Mm-hmm. They said the reason why your show works is because you are unapologetically who you are. You don't try to be anything else. You're not trying. To, you're just being yourself, and that's why we wanted to hire you. And I, I really that was a couple months ago, and I just I've been trying to stick by that for a long time because that's so important to me. And I think you have to, no matter what your message is, be yourself, and that's mm-hmm. so so key to what we do. Um, I don't. Know, I hope I don't just sound like a bunch of self congratulatory assholes like hanging out on the internet. But I, I, you know, I, I really, uh, I, those are some of my core values, man. And I, it's they're important yeah. to me and they're central to who we are as broadcasters. I mean, like I, I got a sponsorship offer, and in like, and it was a good amount of money. Sure. <laughs> and in it, it was like just try to be genuine. 
And I read that sentence and I was like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Like, I'm like, that is like the grossest crap because like, th- I think that's what draws people to our shows. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's you, right? Like they're watching you for you. Yes. Your takes and all that stuff, but the, people can get takes anywhere, right? They can yeah. go watch film analysis anywhere. Um, but they come for you and they stay for you. And I think that like, that's amazing advice. And the minute that you start being the make sure you smash that like button and hit subscribe and like, you know, yeah. just like the fake happy all the time bullshit of just like everything is is rainbows and puppies. Like there's so much of that crap. And like when people turn off the camera, they're a completely different person. I'm like, no, like I stream the draft for six hours. Like I can't fake it that long. Right. Like it's literally like this is this is me. Like if you yeah. meet me in the in, in, in a street somewhere, you know, th- this is what you're going to get. And, and I think like that, you know, that genuine like here's who I am, accept me or not. I think that draws people in and it and it keeps people there, um, you know, and, and people try to use that as like a marketing technique or whatever. But I, I, I really, really enjoy that, that while, yes, you can expose yourself and be like here, like, you know, to all the hate and all the love. You know, it also gives you a chance to be like, this is who I am. Um, and if people accept that, that's a pretty cool feeling. I don't know if you ever I have no idea if you've ever worked with Manscaped, um, but they are kind of my favorite sponsor to work with. And this is not sponsored by them, obviously, but I just they're worth <laughs> they're worth giving a shout out to because I liked working with them because they they didn't give me a script. They didn't give me anything to say. They said, here's a mm-hmm. promo code. Use our product. Talk about it. And so I, I just was able to be myself, and I probably made really dry. I'm not very funny, like boring, just me genuinely saying, like, yeah, I shave my balls with this thing that really helps me. <laughs> like, and that's me just being myself. And I know that I, I just have to do it that way. And yeah. I've turned out a lot of money from – look, money has been really tight. This, this stupid – COVID-19 has effed me in a lot of ways. Uh, I was going to move across the country. That is not going to happen, obviously. Like a lot of things have gone wrong. Um, and one of my – Hardest moments was when I was getting a lot of money offered from a lot's probably the wrong word there, but I was getting money offered from a sponsor uh, in the world of betting. And I, one of my yep. principles is I, I just don't promote gambling and betting. I'm not comfortable with yep. it. It's not who I am. I don't want to do that. And I've had people go like, are you an idiot? Like you're turning down money because you won't talk yep. about gambling. Everyone does. And I go, yeah, but that's not yep. who I am. And I, I refuse to promote something I don't believe in and I'm not really don't partake in. I know that's weird, yep. but I, I don't know if you're similar, nope. but gambling's one I just don't go over the line on. Yup. No, we are li- like literally I've had the exact same conversation. So for like, for example, like so the Ryan Grant show that we do, yep. that was set up by like the Believe Network. Like it's a podcast network. Uh, they're yeah. the ones who set up the show. They got me in contact with Ryan, what have you. Yep. And I'm able to put it on YouTube and they're like, we have um, we have a, like a gambling sponsor. And I said that there will never be a time where I sponsor that on my YouTube channel. Like, if you want me to do that for you, like your own little network, you know, just for the audio, that's fine. I don't care about that. That's fine. But for my viewers who come to me, because, again, I have some young kids that watch. There will never be a minute that I promote gambling, not even a second. Because, again, like you said, unless it's a product that I use, like I just I just took like one of my first sponsors. And that's from Squarespace. If we're all Mm. if we're all totally, totally great. And that's just because I've used them for six years. Yeah. Like, so I have. So no one's going to be like, oh, you're selling out. 
every time I say TomGrossAcademy.com, that's Squarespace. Like that, that's what it is. So like, <laughs> I have awesome. no problem promoting that, you know, but no, I'm the same exact way. Like I'm not going to do Raid Shadow Legends. I'm sorry. Like there's no way that I'm going to download that and be like, oh man, my paladin is uh, real good. You should, you should join today and, and join in the fight. No, don't, don't do it. <laughs> have you ever heard the Bill Burr Nature Box promotion? Yes. I, I hope it would be like, yeah, I got this stupid app. It sucks. I hate it. But they paid me money, so I have to talk about it for forty bucks. Like, <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. That's like that. That's essentially what it would be. And like, that's the thing too. Like, the, those those companies offer like a crap ton of money. Yeah, I know. And, and they're just like, here, read this terrible script word for word. And I'm just like, no, I I physically can't do that. I felt bad. I know a guy who uh, I'm not gonna say his name. He's on YouTube. He had to do one because he's got to pay the bills. And like, I, I get yeah. it. Uh, yeah. And I think if you're gonna do one, Raid Shadow Legends is a pretty good one. At least if you're gonna cross a line for a crappy advertiser, at least that one's like, like I can excuse that one. You know, at least they'll like, pay you well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God, right? Like you got to pay your bills. I totally get it. I just yeah. know that if I if I don't have to, I'm. I, but the, no matter what, though, the gambling one's one. I, I will lose my job before I do gambling. I just don't have any. Yep. I won't promote it. I, it's not who I am. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Like my dad always tells me, my dad works as kind of a, in a somewhat of a capacity of my agent. My dad always says like, Hey, don't make blanket statements. Like be very careful. Cause you never know if you change your mind someday, but that's when I don't think I ever see myself changing my mind on. And he even supports that. He's like, yeah, you can just say you're never going to do it. Cause you never are. Um, yeah, I've, I've never like, gambled. Have you ever gambled? It's like, like besides like my buddy who I bet $50 for the Super Bowl with. Yeah. Year, I'm not talking it. like, you know, no, like, like literally candy, that's what's it. it candy, like, uh, what's the word? Candy poker. You ever done that? That's fun, but nope. No, I like, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't do like, I've gotten stuff from like DraftKings, my bookie. I'm like, nope. Yeah. Not going to, cause again, like uh, one, I don't do, if I was an avid gambler and like, I'm just like, oh man, I'm always on DraftKings cause I'm looking to make a buck. Then you know what? I'd use it and I'd be like, sure, let me, let me promote this. But I don't, I don't do it. And especially if there's younger people out there, there's no way that I'm going to, promote this product one if i don't use it and two if like again i don't want to talk to a 13 year old and go hey use use money to uh you know gamble that, that's just not hey, you know what i did one time i one one time i did a bet online thing it wasn't really a sponsor but it was a, it was talking about a bet online food thing where mm-hmm. the reason i did it was because it allowed me to talk to this guy uh what's his name uh badlands chugs you ever heard of that guy no he's this gigantic massive human being he'll chug like like literally like three, you know, two liter bottles of Coke in one sitting. You're like, he'll sit on camera in his stupid car, open a gigantic, like, you know, those two liters you get with your pizza. Yeah. Drink a whole one in like one gulp, put, put it down really hard, empty, pound another one, put it on empty, pound a third one. And you're like, this dude did that in his car. I can't even. So I really wanted to talk to this guy. And so to do it, he's a competitive eater. I had to talk about the bet online quarantine challenge. And I was like, Fine. Like, I want to talk to Badlands Chug because I remember seeing yeah. him in a YouTube video. Like, I'll do it. Like, can I talk to this guy? It was so wild and cool. And he was a fun conversation. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Weird tangent, but I thought that was, that's the one time I've ever done it. Now to think about it. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm like looking back, I'm like, should I delete that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, but it was and, a fun and conversation. A, well, like, that's the thing. Like, again, like every week for like the Ryan Grant thing, like, I'm doing that for the Believe Network, mm. like, for their own little thing. Like, it's a, it's a gambling sponsorship, but I go, it will never touch YouTube. It will mm. never go on YouTube yeah. where like, you know, the, the amount of my audience is. And I told them that straight up. I go, I will not do a sponsorship if that's the case. Like mm. the show will not work. I will leave the show. Like we're not going to do it. And they were totally cool with it. So I was like, okay. That's awesome. 
Tom, you got anything else? I, I love doing this, man. It means so much to me. Like, it, it's just, it's football friends is what I call it. Like, we're just hanging out. Football with friends. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> anything else? Packers are going to win on Sunday. Who do you guys play? Uh, I don't know. Saints. Sunday Saints. Night Football. Yeah, you guys might just win, actually. Is it, where is it? It's in New Orleans. I still feel pretty good about that, though, to be honest. You know, it's funny because I'm really, really, really excited, of course, for Sunday night's game. Yeah. But I almost am more excited, if not equally excited, for Monday night's game. Like, that's going to be phenomenal. What's Monday night? Ravens and Chiefs. Oh, my goodness. I cannot. Like, I, like I'm like i like, can't wait for the Packers, of course. But, oh, my God, Monday's going to be so good. <laughs> you know what I'm excited about is I get to talk about. I always try to talk about the primetime games. Yeah. So I get I get a ha- I'm going to be forced to watch the Packers on Sunday night. That's awesome. And then dude, Monday night football has been awful this year. Like it's really not been yeah. good. And it's not been no. good for quite a while. I mean, you know, yeah. I I know you should probably I'd probably go at some point, but the weird music at halftime of Monday night football makes no sense to me. <laughs> like this isn't the Super Bowl. Who's tuning in for the the music at halftime? It never fits. It's effing weird. Like I just You know what? Never listen, like Zach. It. Listen, listen. There is one great thing about Monday night football. <laughs> And that is the commercial that has been airing for the past few weeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I will say uh, that's been pretty good because every single time it comes on, my phone blows up and somehow, some way people go, is that you? I'm like, I'm talking about this for four weeks. So, Dude, every yeah. time I see that commercial, I go, I've sat on that couch. I sat on the couch. <laughs> that, that is... That is, I would say that's arguably one of the most famous couches on the internet. The next famous couch there on a different We don't need to say website, that one. But we don't need to say the most famous couch on the internet. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's thinking it. I literally am I'm dreading because, like, I'm looking to hopefully move, like, next yeah. year. Sure. And, like, that couch, like, you, you saw it. It's like, trash, Dash, man. like, yeah. ate the middle of it. Yeah. Like, so, like, there's, like, duct tape on it. Well, it's it like a stuff. dog ate the middle of it. Is that well, what happened? It did. Because that's, that's what yeah, happened. Yeah. So, and, like, so I'm just, like all right, I can't take this couch with me because, like, it's, like, shot. <laughs> sure. But I'm, like, I have to find a couch that looks exactly like it because, like, with that, like, I can't show up on, like, uh, a plaid couch, like, for my next reaction video. People are, like, nope, unsubscribe. Like, we're done. <laughs> That's the line. I don't think the couch is the draw, bro. <laughs> I don't think it- uh, Listen, you'd be surprised. People have drawn pictures of my couch as fan art. So, you know... I don't know, man. Like that, that I'm just one one couch away from losing it all. <laughs> I will say, and I don't. I I, I know we. Sh- my, the funny thing about Monday Night Football this year is that we thought we got rid of Booger McFarlane, and then he's yeah. there every halftime show, and I'm like, <laughs> he's like, you you, you thought you could get rid of me? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going anywhere, <laughs> dude. He's so bad. I feel bad for him. Like I I know it's mean. It, it, like the rules are not supposed to talk bad about other broadcasters, but he's so bad. I just he's oh. bad. Yeah. Just, well. Here, here's what I'll ask you. So, yeah. and I promise this will be the last thing as we say that I, for the past dude, 45 I'm in no minutes. Hurry. I'm, again, I just like talking to you. So, all right. If you're, if you are offered a job as a commentator, do you take that job? I do both. Yeah. I can do both pretty easily. hundred percent. Because what people don't realize about doing the commentator job from my side, a lot of it's just reacting to the game live, which I'm, mm-hmm. I've done that job before. I've done play by play. It's what I'm going to say, I guess, analyst, where you have a color commentator saying what's mm-hmm. happening. Your job is and to go, that's cover two. That's got to be a better ball into the corner. And so, what I would do if I was doing a, a, an NFL game every week, I would just, okay, I got to research the two teams playing, know their personnel really well, know what schemes they run. That's about a day's worth of work. 
do that on a Friday, broadcast the game on Sunday, bang, knock it out. I, mean, I could very easily do that and probably mm. travel and record the show because I'd get way more money so I could travel and do the show in my hotel mm. room and the way – I mean, you see certain people do that, and I'm like, I, I could very easily do my podcast that way. So, yeah, 100% I would take that job. But I also would never give up YouTube either. If it was had to pick one, I'd pick YouTube. Yeah. Like, that. that's the thing I struggle with, right? Because, like, I, I love – the YouTube gives you something – like the fact that like you and I have so much control over the content that we put out and not making us like control freaks, but the idea yeah. of just like, we don't have to we answer to anybody. And that for me, like it's a dream, right? Yeah. Like I'm my own boss. I decide the content that I want to make and I put it out. Like it's that simple. And, and I like, I love that. And like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, why in God's name would I ever give that up like to go do yeah. whatever else? Well, people don't realize I, I think almost nobody knows this, right? First of all, I played college football. That's something nobody knows. Number two, I worked for Fox Sports. I worked for ESPN. Mm-hmm. I worked for Pac-12 Network. I was on the sideline. I was in meetings for college football game day. Like I literally worked on ESPN's college game day. I've been in those meetings. And mm-hmm. it's in, I had so many problems and disagreements with the way things were done. And I couldn't speak up. I couldn't do anything about it. And I always thought if I was in control, I'd do it differently. And now that I am in control, I'm like, I'm never giving that up. It goes back to like, if you can be the starting quarterback, why would you want to ever go somewhere where you're a backup? It doesn't make any sense. Mm. You like running the show. It's more fun. I I also, I want to say, I I, I said um, some mean stuff about Booger McFarland. I do want to back that up because I think what's the worst thing you can do is say why a, a guy's bad without saying why. What drives me nuts about Booger McFarland, God bless him. I, I think he's got a good heart. He's not a bad person. He so often says random things and never <laughs> explains them. It's like, dude, you can't just say, well, that's a good throw. It's like, why is that a good throw? What, what about it? Was it the location? Was it the timing? What? And he just so often says like, oh, you know, that team's going to win the division. It's like, but why? He never, <laughs> ever offers the why part of anything. He just makes all these weird claims. And I'm like dude, what's happening? Are you having an aneurysm? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, I, like, and that's the thing, too. Like, I feel like we could also just be, like, professional to professional, this is what I think you could improve upon, right? And, like, yeah. and to be like, like you said, he's probably a great person. He's probably a really nice guy. He seems like it. Right? He's got a good heart. He seems like a really nice guy. He seems like a fun guy to be around. It's just, like, when it comes to play calling, this is what I don't like. Yeah. And, and yeah, no, I, I, and also, I to, to be clear, it's a hard job. And I, I I've oh, done, yeah. I, I broadcasted Cal versus Washington state last year. I broadcasted Washington state versus Utah last year. There are mm-hmm. moments where it's hard, but I, 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 I don't know, man. I, I think the harder job is the play by play. The analyst job is much easier. The play by play has to be like, and the quarterback rolls out to the right. You got to remember right and left. You got to remember like certain oh, words, bootleg. It. It's way harder. <laughs> To say, like, hey, here's what happened, and that, here's why that happened in, like, a couple yeah. words, for me, that's way easier. Uh, and I, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's a different job. And I think an analyst has to be – Tony Romo. Is Tony Romo not the best analyst you've ever heard? Oh, my God. I love it. I love watching and listening to Tony Romo because, like, just and, – and the thing is, like, he also simplifies it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know how to know football – but like he literally yep. like you'll have the the offense comes at the line and he's like he'll draw it on the screen he's like this receiver is gonna go this way this receiver is gonna go this way and like they just do it I'm like that's incredible. <laughs> There's a really intense, really helpful skills if you can translate football 
into common language that anybody can mm-hmm. understand. If my mom can mm-hmm. understand what you're talking about, or my dad, God bless my dad, knows nothing about football. If my dad can understand what I'm talking about, I'm probably doing something right. That's how I judge all my, that's, like when I write a film analysis video, I always try yeah. to put it in words my dad could understand. And Tony does mm-hmm. that. How lucky were we that when we got Justin Herbert's first game in the NFL, Tony Romo was broadcasting yep. it. Like, I, people think I hate Justin Herbert. I don't. And I think it's so special that moment was Tony Romo calling the game. It's like, oh, my gosh. What an unbelievable, lucky thing yeah. to have happen. Yeah. No, I I agree. No, he's 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 probably one of my favorites, if not the favorite one right now, just because he's just he's so good. He's on another level and he offers something that others don't. Um, and I think that's what I enjoy about him the most. Like, you know, you can, you, a lot of people like hate on like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and stuff like that. And I think just like with Tony Romo, when you watch it, you're like, I'm not only watching football, like I'm going to learn something today. Well, so you and, like, like him. I, He's so likable. He is. You like, 100%. you're hanging out with a friend. It feels like, you know, the other guy who deserves a shout out, I will hang up at some, some point. Uh, Joel Klatt, who does college football is mm-hmm. phenomenal. I really like him as well. He's, he's. I tend to agree with him on everything he says. I go, wow, Joel Klatt knows what he's talking about, and I really love him. Yeah. I mean, listen, when when you have that in which, like, normal people are, like, you know, casual fans are just like, wow, like, that, that taught me something today. Like, that's, yeah, you're doing your job correctly, mm-hmm. 100%. Tom, do you have anything else? I love you so much, man. I, I think I think we did it. I, I think <laughs> you know an hour and ten minutes it. might be long enough. We'll, we'll we'll talk about you know <laughs> traditional economies and their sustainability next week. Um, you know we'll potentially talk about what's going on with the Aegean Sea. Uh, that that will be we'll cover that next week. But I feel like we just have to like leave them wanting more. I want mango uh, farms. That's what I want to hear about. I got you. Okay, okay thank you. Mango cool. farms. I mango got farms. you. Thank you. I got you. <laughs> Tom, love you, man. Thank you so much. Have a great day, and uh, talk to you next week. You too, Broski. Take care. Guys, that is all I have. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Football Friends with Tom and Brett. I hope you have a great day. I I really just love you guys so much. I'm grateful you tune in. It means a lot to me. Um, I'm I'm doing the best I can, man. I really, I love what I'm doing, and uh, I really appreciate that you guys watch and listen. I love my job so much, and uh, it just means the world to me. So thank you so much. Hope you have a great day. But um, bum Bam, we are done.